You know what I love during your news uh, cast? What's that? Well, I mean every word. I I know for every one word. You know I hang on every, every word. Every word. <clears throat> but I love this is yeah. what I love. This is what I love. WGN Sports Time is. <laughs> <laughs> he gets all sporty. Hey, WGN Sports Time. Are you insinuating that I sounded like um Dean Diamond, perhaps, uh, doing <laughs> the sports. <laughs> my 12-year-old. Dean Diamond with my you. My 12-year-old radio. Yeah. WGN Sports <laughs> Time is I did have a lot of stuff like that. That's like classic old radio oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. WGN Did you say keeping you company? Uh, probably. <laughs> Dean Diamond keeping I'll tell you, you what, company. I'll tell you what we did do uh, when I did the weather forecast on my pretend radio station when I was 12 years old. Uh, the the station was uh, WCKD. That's what we named it mm-hmm. because it was Charlie, Kevin, and Dean mm-hmm. CKD. Mm-hmm. So uh, Charlie was the weather. We had a meteorologist on my <laughs> pretend radio station. <laughs> and did he start out the weather going, boy, I'll tell you what today. I tell you, man. <laughs> I'm going to be retiring in 2024. <laughs> uh, he knew that back then. <laughs> Nothing was funnier than I went to uh, Upper Michigan, remember, this past summer? Yeah. Fourth of July for my friends. Uh, it, it was Charlie's. It was Charlie. It was Charlie's big birthday. He had a massive milestone birthday. And uh, his son arranged for me to come to the surprise birthday party. He Charlie didn't know I was coming. So he, he was shocked. But his son, I think part of the reason for his son inviting me was to get dirty secrets on his dad oh. <laughs> that he never knew and one of them was that his father was a pretend meteorologist on a pretend radio station and he did not stop giving his dad grief about that oh, That's awesome. wow the whole weekend but anyway this is what we said on my pretend radio station much like your wgn sports time when we gave the weather we have the forecast and then we would say it's forty-two degree. It's it's forty-two WCKD degrees. Oh, oh look at hey. that! Yeah. Wow, you don't get you don't get that everywhere. We were clever, boy. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, it's nine oh nine. Nine minutes after nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> or as I like to say, you're going to hear that every week now. It's fifty-one minutes till ten. <laughs> yeah, it's fifty. <laughs> Don't you mean on the upswing of 10? On the upswing of You're 10. You're going to get this every week now. 42 WGN. <laughs> well, we got to figure out something. Like yeah, that. we know. <laughs> Let's see. What can we do here? Okay, this is when the creativity ends. WGN degrees. This is what we're famous for on the show. Uh, great ideas. Off the off the uh, top of our heads. Off the top of our heads. You're listening to the creativity process right now. It flows. But this is why we rehearse the show, right? But absolutely no follow through. Dean Richards, WGN. <laughs> you were saying <laughs> commercial supposed to fire. Now. You were saying. I'm t- I, what I'm saying was a commercial is supposed to fire now. <laughs> mm. 
Let's try this. Brand new music from Justin Timberlake to start the show today. He was the musical guest and much more on Saturday Night Live last night. But he did a couple of songs from his brand new album uh, that will be uh, dropping, as the kids like to say, later on this week. Uh, this song is called uh, Selfish. Twenty or American Bandstand uh, rate the record? What do you think of it so far? I think it's got a good beat. You can dance to it. I would love to see you dance to it. <laughs> oh, no, you wouldn't. Please. I'll tell you that much. No, you wouldn't. I like Justin Timberlake. Do you guys like Justin Timberlake? Sure, there's hey, a, he's all right. All right. I like him. I like his songs. You know, he brought sexy back. I don't this know if true. you know that. This is very true. Uh, Shwani, can you name one other Justin Timberlake song? No. He's no Bobby V, that's for sure. That's probably a badge of honor that he wears, <laughs> I would think. But, uh, yeah, he's got, I'll bet if you heard them, you would. Probably. You yeah, would definitely. I couldn't come up with the names of them necessarily. But yeah. That's true of some of the songs going back to the late 70s, well, too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> what year do you think your musical knowledge stopped? In popular music? Yeah. Oh, you're a big music head. Mid you are, mid eighties. You the are mid 80s. extremely knowledgeable about mid eighties. Lots I'd say. of different kinds of music. Yeah, the the mid eighties or, well, or so. And I can pick it up from there. And he can pick it up. Yeah, from Andy there, picks so it up Andy's, there. Right. Yeah. And I go to about two thousand five, six, oh. something like that. Oh. Yeah. I guess I, I I wonder. I mean, because I cover entertainment, I think my musical knowledge stretches little further than it normally would if, oh yeah you yeah, know if i sure. were a civilian certainly a civilian because if you know if uh if i wasn't covering the entertainment scene i think my musical awareness would have stopped with petula clark's downtown <laughs> <laughs> where all the lights are bright downtown, downtown waiting for you tonight downtown you know, i had somebody send a text in you're gonna they, be all right now saying you and i should record an album <laughs> For when we occasionally break into songs. Pick the songs and yeah. um, the, the Dean Dean and uh, Schwanny's Greatest Hits yeah. or something. Yeah. Like or Andy, you know, let's make it a trio. We can make it a trio. Sure, let's why make not? it a trio. Yeah, we can not? make it a to the Sunday trio. The, what do we call it? The the Three Mopes or yeah, something? Three like Mopes. That, yep. Yeah. I mean, there was the King. You remember the Kingston trio, don't sure, you? Sure. Sure. Well. Andy, do you remember the Kingston trio? You know, as a matter of fact, I do because my dad uh, had used to the play records. All that stuff, yeah. Yes, my older brother had every Kingston trio album for some reason. No, not for some reason. I mean, it's good music. Yep, folk music. That yeah. was the yeah during that coffee house era. There, yeah. the Limelighters, the Kingston trio. Look at you look at you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we have live music on the show today. Really? This is what I understand, because Engineer Bob, uh, very, oh, very early this morning, was in the process, of, and he's got some beautiful Shure microphones We've set up We've got the, the a beautiful setup in here oh. today. I walk into the studio, you know, for to prepare. I know most of you are going, you prepare. <laughs> <laughs> I walk into the studio, and Bob and uh, producer Jack, Jack is standing behind the microphones going, check one, check one, check two. Check one, check two. So if they're doing checks like that, mm-hmm. you know it's going to be big. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Or and sometimes you just hear check, 
Right. They, Jack, don't, they don't have time with the numbers. Jack, they don't have time for the numbers. Right? Jack. Yeah. I like to give a good testing one, two, three, four. Well, that's what we came up with. Absolutely. One, well, two, three, four, five, four, three, two, one. I actually, when I do it, I count to ten because I figure the engineers, you need more than just a word. Yeah. And you you, you and, need a, like a sentence or two. And you have to say it in the tone and the voice that you're going to use that you're when you're on, that's on the right. air. That's right. Exactly. That's yeah. right. I worked with an engineer in my college years, a gentleman who was uh, did military service, and mm. the number nine was niner. That distinguishes it from five. So if you had poor audio, you 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 would knew you knew the difference between a five and a nine. Oh. So he would count up to ten. Yeah, that's what testing. I One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine or ten. Nine or ten. Niner. Niner. I do. I count to ten, and then I count backwards, down, back down to one. Full sentence. Mm. <laughs> I'm wondering, <laughs> and it's also a literacy test to just to make sure <laughs> that you can count that I can count. Let's see how my brain is functioning. Nine eight seven day. six five four three two one. We've got uh, a, a duo who perform Americana music. I don't want to call it exactly bluegrass, but it's kind of bluegrassy Americana style acoustic music. Karen Kane and Raina Gellert. Uh, they were doing a show in Champaign last night. And they're doing a show this afternoon uh, in uh, Fitzgerald's in Berwyn at 4 o'clock. And uh, they're going to stop by here first. Cool. What time? Uh, the will be about 11.30. Okay. Yeah. Check one. Check two. <laughs> yo, check. Yo, check. <laughs> Testing. Very fancy. There's an engineer that I know who actually works our Blackhawks broadcast, the, the great Paul Zerang. Who says check cash cash check check cash? Oh wow! Yeah, Ooh. gotta get some cash in there. Not always check. check no one cash. writes checks check anymore, cash. right? Check cash. I do. Well, I like that he puts the you know the the k, k, k. yeah exactly. He's checking the k sound exactly. on the on the microphone. This is the crispness of the sound yeah. of the microphone. Welcome to Inside Broadcasting. <laughs> this is like going in, on for like five minutes with this inside now. the actor studio. You've seen that on TV. <laughs> This is stuff you couldn't care less about on radio. This is our new podcast. Perfect. Stuff you couldn't care less about. We're educating the broadcasters of the future here. That's what a lot of podcasts are, by the way. Stupid stuff that nobody cares about. (laughs) If we do a podcast, and we have kicked around this idea, we've talked about this. and Once again, fantastic ideas, zero Uh (laughs) follow-up. Uh, that's what I would like to call it. Well, that's stuff John, that nobody cares. About. John Hansen and I have talked about a podcast uh, dealing with uh, the presidents and presidential history, mm. thinking that he and I would be the only listeners when we were done. Yeah. So, I think if we, the three of us, did a podcast and it was just incredibly stupid stuff, <laughs> <laughs> it would be a winner. <laughs> think about the stupid stuff that we talk about on the show, mm-hmm. but expanded over like, yeah. a full hour. With more time to think about it. With more time to really go <laughs> but deep. Look at look at how many ideas that we've done just spontaneously. Talking about candy we grew up with, oh, yeah. hot dogs, yeah, favorite ice cream, and the text line lights up, the phone lines light true. up. Fascinating. Yeah. And the fact that we've been I talking... Like Hey, Swanee, I like root beer barrels. <laughs> so do talk, I. Let's talk about it for a half oh, an hour. Oh, those root beer barrels? Those were great. 
I like red licorice. Let's talk about that for a half an hour. I like red licorice. Twizzlers are red vines. Who likes black licorice? Does anybody like like black licorice? Let's talk about it for a half an hour. Where's this voice coming from That's that's my podcast voice. That's your podcast voice? And then every once in a while, we'd have an appearance by, what's black licorice, Uncle D? I was waiting for <laughs> it's a uh, 35 WCK degrees. <laughs> it's my 12-year-old Dean voice. Oh. I got a voice. I got a million voices. I'm the Rich Little of 2024. <laughs> Who's awesome. Rich Little, Uncle Dean? Yeah. Who's Rich Little? <laughs> All right. We have a, uh, wow, A-list packed show today. You know who's on the show today? Brian Cranston. Ooh. Bryce Dallas Howard. Austin Butler. The actor who played Elvis in that movie a couple of years ago. Yeah. We have... Good movie, too. Uh, oh, fantastic movie. Ariana DeBose, who won an Oscar for her role in uh, the latest version of West Side Story. We have... In the film version? The yeah, one with Steven yeah. Spielberg? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We have her giving me a recipe, by the way, that I'm going to... Oh, nice. ...that I'm going to make on television. Okay. But we also talk about the movie that she's in. That Brian Cranston and Bryce Dallas Howard are also in. That's called Argyle. And uh, John Cena, a wrestler turned... Well, he's still a wrestler, I guess, right? He's a wrestler slash actor. We've got all of them on the show today. Uh, We've got Ronnie Marmo, who uh, did that uh, fantastic show here in Chicago playing Lenny Bruce. He's bringing that back to Chicago, plus another very interesting theatrical production that he is going to be writing and directing. Um, We've got the director of Fiddler on the Roof. It's out at the Drury Lane Theater right now. We've got a lot of stuff on the show today. Sounds like an action-packed show, Uncle Dean. I better better strap in because I don't want to miss the far-flung forecast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads. Pull those chairs up to the radio and stare at the radio like they used to do back in the day because it's time for America's favorite, the far-flung forecast, our weekly compendium of fascinating facts and figures and presented to us by the one and only, someday he'll be a newsman on WGN, (laughs) Dave Schwann. Well, thank you so much, Uncle Dean, or whoever you are in that particular voice. 12-year-old Dean Diamond. Diamond. (laughs) Thank you very much. Well, good morning, friends. We go get out your uh, compasses and protractors and your newfangled devices, because today we go to Geneva, New York. What? Geneva, New York. Thought you were going to say Geneva, Illinois. No, 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 no. Geneva, New York. Geneva, New York. In West Central New York. Oh. You'll notice how I correctly enunciated you the West are very Central consonant New York. Yep. New New York, not New York, but New York. Geneva in West Central <laughs> New York. So weird. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 
the population is 13,000, not 1,300, 13,261, and was incorporated around 1806. Now, we mentioned... 1806. 1806, that is correct. Now, we mentioned Geneva, New York today, because it is the home to uh, what was a small college in the 1800s known as Geneva Medical College. Now, why do you think we bring up Geneva Medical College, Dean? Let, no, me, let me pose that question. Must to be you. the day that it the, was founded, or something. Well, you're you're not far off, actually, because it was on January twenty third, last Tuesday's date in eighteen forty nine, that a woman named Elizabeth Blackwell received her medical degree oh. at Geneva Medical College. The reason she is singled out here is because she became the first woman in the United States wow. to receive a medical degree. First woman doctor. She had been first lady turn, doctor. First like lady Petticoat doctor. Junction. That it, <laughs> Petticoat Junction. Yeah, they were after uh, B. Benaderet left. Kate. Oh, that's right. Then they brought in June Lockhart. June Lockhart, Lockhart who was the lady doctor. The lady doctor. Well, la- uh, the doctor June. Was... <laughs> I have my nerve saying that you were stuck in the sixties. <laughs> yeah, how about it? <laughs> and who played Uncle Joe? Uh, Edgar Buchanan. Edgar Buchanan, Edgar Buchanan, who also had a part on Andy Griffith. Sad what's in our heads. <laughs> it's frightening. This is, we need to get back on track here to talk anyway, about Elizabeth yeah. Blackwell, because yeah. she really is an inspiration ahead of her time. She was turned down by 25, 29 universities before she finally was accepted to study medicine at Geneva Medical College, she formed an infirmary for uh, poor people in New York City mm. later and continued to inspire many, many people, uh, despite being discriminated against simply because she was a woman. Wow, how about that? Uh, but became the first woman in the U.S. on January 23rd, 1849, last Tuesday's date uh, on this year, to receive a medical degree and has since been an inspiration to many, many women. Has and she has she been you know since then uh, uh, honored for? Yes, her? she's been recognized yeah. uh, in a number of uh, a number of instances. The um, college is now called Hobart and Smith Medical College and University mm. in Geneva, New York, where they are receiving light rain and snow this morning. It's thirty-seven degrees. Happy Sunday to you. I can't believe it. I'm looking out the window and I don't see any rain or fog. Keep you posted on all the latest. Actually, I heard we're going to have some sunshine later this week. I sort of remember what sunshine looks like. Uh, we'll give you updates on that coming up. Uh, right now, though, time for our uh, weekly health check. Uh, this is uh, where we dig into some of the top medical stories of the week. Answer your questions about uh, medical issues that you may wonder about. 312-981-7200 is our phone number uh, to call in or uh, to text in. And uh, this week, we're happy to have with us Dr. Jeremy Silver, who is the Medical Director of Emergency Medicine, Northwestern's uh, Kishwaukee Hospital in DeKalb. Dr. Silver, very nice to have you with us. Good morning. Morning, Dean. How are you? Doing very, very well. Uh, I have uh, such admiration for those who work in emergency rooms. Uh, That has got to be one of the most stressful uh, occupations in medicine that there is. 
uh, yet I've 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 known some people personally who have uh, you know had that position, and they tell me the most gratifying uh, at the the same time. Do you find that in the case with uh, you and your staff as well? Well, I think so. You you encounter folks kind of in their worst day. Uh, and uh, when it feels just so good when you can turn that around and, and turn it into a positive experience. So, uh, yes, it certainly can be stressful, but we, we kind of are adrenaline junkies by trade. Uh, and so you live for those moments where you can rise to the occasion and, and uh, sometimes save a life. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the few times that I've had to go to an emergency room or t- taken a family member or friend, uh, and you, you sit there and, you know, you watch what's going on around you and uh yeah i'm in such admiration you know the people who were able to like keep their heads together and literally save people's lives uh when they come in not to mention i'm not going to ask you for any but you must see some crazy crazy stuff in that emergency room i i do have some some uh some very interesting stories but that's the uh that's the story of humanity. So it, uh, you know, it, it definitely keeps it interesting, yeah. and uh, and no day is the same. That's yeah, for sure. I can imagine that. Well, the, you know, thank thank goodness you're all there. We appreciate it. I wanted to start off with uh, the uh, situation with King Charles, uh, who uh, just underwent surgery for an enlarged prostate. Um, talk to me uh, a little about that. That is something that most men. Uh, will have at, at some point uh, an enlarged prostate, right? Many will. I, I like to think of the prostate as uh, like a carton of milk. Eventually, all of them <laughs> will turn. Uh, and in fact, you know, looking at the statistics, one out of three men older than 50 are going to develop some symptoms of an enlarged prostate over time. Um, and I, I would, uh, I would rush to say that that enlarged prostate is not a cancerous condition. Um, but rather just a function of the uh, the organ just continues to grow, and, uh, and and that can become problematic for men as they get older. Yeah, most guys, uh, you know, know uh, what uh, an examination uh, is for <laughs> large prostate. It's something that stays with you when it happens. But uh, talk to me a little about uh, prostate health. Uh, what it does when it's operating uh, it properly, and what happens as you get older when it does begin to enlarge. Sure. So the the prostate is a is a small gland uh, only in men. Women don't have them. Uh, it's roughly the size of a ping pong ball uh, and sits just below the bladder, uh, and it and it encircles the tube uh, through which the pee leaves the body. So you, you make pee in your kidneys, it travels down to the bladder where it sits. When the bladder gets big enough, uh, you have a signal to the brain that says time to go to the bathroom, uh, and you urinate. And that pee passes through the prostate, kind of like a train through a tunnel. Yeah. Um, and that prostate over time uh, can, can become thick. It, it, it secretes lubricant, essentially. It's, it's a lubricating gland. Um, without getting too into the into the details, um, it, it essentially creates lubricants for sperm, um, and uh, so that's what it does essentially. Um, but over time, it, it it enlarges concentrically, so from the inside out, it gets bigger and bigger, and so that hole through which the urine passes gets smaller and smaller, uh, and it can get so enlarged that it can actually uh, block off the flow of urine entirely um, if it's not caught early enough. And, I, I... Um, and so some of the some of the symptoms that you might have 
uh, related to that could include uh, dribbling or uh, nighttime urinating, uh, trouble starting your flow, uh, feeling like you can't empty completely going to the bathroom multiple times a day. Those might be some some signs that you should have that checked. And I, I would imagine that it's either so uncomfortable or maybe poses some other uh, medical issues that when it becomes large enough that it requires surgery, much like what King Charles uh, just went through the other day. Correct. So I, I haven't seen the medical records for the king, but I, I think we can safely assume that he uh, had symptoms severe enough to warrant a procedure called a, a TURP, a T-U-R-P, that's transurethral prostatectomy, where they um, they can go in. And now there's a variety of different ways of approaching this uh, through through laser therapy and ultrasound pulses. Um, but but essentially it boils down to um, putting the putting the patient to sleep and the, the urologist or the, the doctor that specializes in this area uh, would then go in with a scope and, and essentially rotor root out uh, that thickened prostate and create a, a nice big hole again for the urine to pass through. Mm. Um, and that's that's kind of that's the, the the substance of it. Now there are medications that uh, folks can take when in the early stages of this process to try and uh, limit uh, or uh, reduce the likelihood that this is going to lead to surgery. Um, and those those medications are um, are readily available. So so there are ways to kind of stave off that surgery, but in, in many folks that's the final common pathway. And that's a, a different procedure than the ones that we've heard for prostate cancer surgery, where the the prostate is actually removed, uh, right? I mean, it's uh, we've heard different cases. I've heard of robotic surgery, all kinds of surgeries. I presume that those are done more for prostate cancer than enlarged prostate. That's correct. Okay. Now, are there any uh, uh, lingering effects after a procedure uh, like the king just went through, is there uh, discomfort? There's always a little discomfort, I guess, after a surgery. But any lingering uh, uh, effects after something like that? So typically, uh, the urologist would place a catheter uh, inside the penis that goes up into the bladder to help drain urine and allow for that area to kind of heal. Um, it's not uncommon to have bleeding after the procedure, uh, and so sometimes those blood the, the blood can form clots, which can inhibit the flow of urine, and, and, and then you're kind of back to square one. So so the, there is a period of time during which there's a catheter, and then the catheter is removed. Um, and typically, you know, most people will go home and, and do quite well over the next period of, of days and, and uh, essentially be functioning normally within a week. Um, but some folks will develop blood clots and, and have to have those treated um, rarely, uh, there, there is, uh, there is a small risk of infection. And so rarely folks will come into the emergency room and say, you know, Hey, I'm not feeling good. I had this procedure a couple of days ago and lo and behold, they have a urinary tract infection. So there are some known risks, um, but for the most part, by and large, people do very well. I know with, uh, uh prostate cancer surgery, sometimes there is a decreased sexual function. Uh, is that the case with, uh, treatments for enlarged prostate. Certainly, any time that you're uh, that you're operating in the area of the sexual organs, there's there's risk, but I think significantly lower. Um, that those, uh, I think we all know that prostate cancer surgery can can lead to potentially lead to to problems with with function of the, the sexual organs. Not not nearly as as common in the uh, 
with the, the setting of the enlarged prostate. Very interesting. Well, I, I hope that, you know, guys listening, uh, you know, take some of these this great information, uh, you know, store it away someplace. And uh, if you feel like you're presenting with any of those symptoms, check with your uh, doctors uh, to see what's going on. Because, boy, you sure uh, make it sound, Dr. Silver, like it's uh, something very treatable. It, it is very treatable. I, I would just tag on to that, that uh, some of the symptoms of enlarged prostate do cross over with prostate cancer. And so if you're having those symptoms, I'd really encourage folks to, to have a chat with your doctor, uh, get a referral to a urologist and have an expert, uh, a specialist um, who can help guide you on next steps. Yeah. And it's all of this uh, now determined through blood tests as well. Uh, there was a digital test uh, that, as I say, you know, guys uh, remember <laughs> when they have it. Uh, but isn't a lot of this now determined by a, a simple blood test? Sure, there's there's a screening test that many folks have heard of called a PSA, which is a, a, a blood test, which can certainly in some cases point in the direction of cancer versus no cancer. Um, and the symptoms are also very important. So we, we pay a lot of attention to whether people are having painful urination or blood in their urine, uh, certainly folks that are having urinary symptoms and weight loss or bone pain, uh, those combinations of symptoms would be concerning. So it, it's uh, like anything else, there's there's blood tests, there's imaging that can be performed, and of course the, the physical exam and, and history are king, uh, no pun intended. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, some, some, you know, information, that uh, you should store uh, in the event that you should one day need it. One of the stories that I found most interesting this week was uh, such hopeful news, uh, not a cure, but a blood test for Alzheimer's. It seems like in the last year uh, we've had lots of stories uh, that we have never had before about helping to uh, diagnose Alzheimer's disease, and not stop it, but slow it down. What, what's the latest on this? Sure. I, I share your enthusiasm, Dean. Um, this is very interesting. So Alzheimer's disease uh, is, is a brain disorder that affects memory and thinking skills. Uh, and it's the most common cause of dementia uh, here in the United States. Uh, so, so Alzheimer's uh, is a terribly debilitating disease. It affects a lot of, of people here in the U.S. There's more than 6 million people in the United States that are living with dementia caused by Alzheimer's disease. Uh, and, and the number is projected to double over the next 20 years, so 13 million by 2050. Um, and uh, so the, the, uh, the symptoms of Alzheimer's uh, vary, but essentially you, you lose the ability to, uh, to, to remember uh, facts and details, uh, losing track of dates, um, folks sometimes start to, to lose the ability to map their world. Uh, so they forget how to get home um, or just basic tasks such as reading or bathing or writing um, become difficult. Uh, so this classically Alzheimer's been, has been diagnosed either with a lumbar puncture or a PET scan. Uh, so the lumbar puncture is a, a spinal tap where they take fluid out of your, out of your spine and evaluate it under a microscope. Uh, so that's a very invasive test, and a lot of insurances won't cover it. Um, uh, likewise, the PET scan is a CT scan of the brain, 
that uh, involves some uh, radio tracers being injected into the bloodstream to identify uh, areas of activity in the brain. Um, that's uh, an expensive test. Um, it can be as much as $5,000. Um, again, it, subject to insurance, uh, and uh, not everybody can, can get it just based on where they live. Um, so some limitations to diagnosis um, just at baseline. This test is a blood test uh, that's simply just drawing blood out of the vein, very easy and effective and cheap, and it was 96% accurate in identifying the elevated levels of protein that are associated with Alzheimer's. Um, so this, this potentially is a huge leap forward um, for folks in terms of access to care uh, and in terms of identifying, potentially identifying the disease early and tracking response to treatments of the disease. Uh, so I think there's a lot uh, to unpack from this study, um, but certainly a very positive study. The data is solid, and I think the neurology community is uh, kind of uh, really uh, uh, quite excited about what we're seeing here. Yeah, every every time uh, I read something about it, I just think about the, the many programs that we've done and the many people that we've talked to who uh, are or were living with Alzheimer's uh, that uh, it's it's just it's so cruel to the person living with it, of course, but also to their caregivers, uh, to their family members, to their friends who are sometimes completely forgotten, uh, and it's uh, it, it's it's very very hurtful and very painful. Uh, I went through it myself with my mom and my brother, and uh, you know there was memory loss, but also what what that I never knew about dementia and Alzheimer's. Uh, the the loss of uh, functions that are controlled by the brain, uh, walking and things that I had never heard, at least associated with dementia and Alzheimer's. But it makes sense that if there is a, a breakdown of the functions of the brain, then some of the things that the brain controls, something as simple as walking or swallowing food, uh, you know, might also uh, be affected. So in, in my particular case with my family members, it was... Uh, you know, the uh, surprising and painful and difficult and the memory loss was, you know, uh, so many people have gone through that uh, as well. Um, let me uh, get to a few questions on our text line. Uh, one of them relating back to our prostate conversation, 630 area code says, are there studies or tests for continuous incontinence uh, control of urination after prostate removal? Mm. Yeah, I think um, that that's a a very important question, and, and uh, to to the uh, to the person who wrote in, I would say yes. Um, the, the 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 process of controlling bladder function is actually incredibly complex, um, and involves a lot of different systems in the body, including the brain, and of course the the nerves that lead to the organs that actually manage urine. Um, and so without getting in, uh, too much into the weeds, I would say if, if anybody is having trouble after prostate surgery, um, that I would, I would go immediately to back to the urologist who performed the surgery um, to, to discuss those issues um, and to potentially get a referral to a subspecialist who there are folks that, that focus their entire careers on this sort of thing and um, could potentially be helpful. Yeah, this is uh, Jane, 312 981 Seven two hundred. Jane, you're on WGN. Good morning, Jane. I just want to say your whole group is nothing but a ray of sunshine. Oh, thank you, thank you. 
Uh, I would like to know why, when you go into the emergency room, why can't they separate us from people who have viruses and colds and the flu from people who have broken arms and legs and other problems? To me, when you go to an emergency room, it's just a big uh, area where you're taking a chance of getting something else other than what you went in for. Yeah, big waiting room. I, I, I would guess it's a uh, doctor. You, you can answer better than I, but it's, uh, you know, it's probably a space issue, right? People have to wait someplace. Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. And boy, I, I wish we could. Um, one of the issues is space, and the other issue is that many folks are infectious even when they're not coughing and sneezing and snotting everywhere. Uh, so you may be sitting next to somebody uh, who who is complaining of a of, of elbow pain, um, but they're they're breathing out viral particles into the world all the same. So um, it would be very difficult to truly isolate folks um, based on the fact that folks that are about to be sick may not know it. Uh, and so what we try and do is limit exposure by uh, supplying the entire waiting room with masks. We always suggest that everyone uh, wear a mask. They're extremely effective at, at limiting uh, the, the passage of, uh, of viral particles. Uh, additionally, uh, maintaining a, a, a vaccination status against uh, common agents such as COVID or the flu um, is, is extremely effective at, at uh, limiting illness. And if you do become sick, uh, limiting the possibility of severe illness or hospitalization. Yeah, I would say, the, you know, the uh, I, w- I would say the same for uh, riding on the L. I would say the same for being on a plane or being in any crowded place. So, you know, people people need to take precautions to uh, prevent getting something that the person sitting next to you might have. But also the person who, you know, it has the sniffles or a cold or a cough, they need to be uh, courteous out in public as well and responsible by, uh, you know, trying to not spread uh, whatever it is that they have. On the, Jane, thank you for your call. On the subject, though, doctor, how do you make the determinations of who gets uh, in to see uh, a doctor or nurse from that uh, dreaded waiting room? It's based on severity, I would think, right? That's, that's a terrific question, and uh, I, I wish that I could explain uh, in in, uh, in in fine detail to everybody I see exactly how triage works, but it's complicated. Um, so, you know, sometimes you go in there and, and it seems like nothing's happening. Um, everything's quiet, and what's going on? Uh, meanwhile, in the back, we're uh, taking care of a critically ill person or a series of people, and we just try to keep things very calm and orderly um, so that we can focus on the patients. Um, And that's hard for folks because they don't see that. Um, You might be in the waiting room uh, for four hours wondering why you can't just get in and have your cough taken care of. Meanwhile, there's been 10 ambulances that have passed through in that that period and and a lot of sick folks that need immediate attention. Uh, So the triage process is very subjective. Um, this is why we have nurses um, up front in triage who try to see everybody as quickly as they can to identify who needs uh, immediate care. Uh, and, and sometimes it just is the way that the, the randomness of life works is you have uh, a number of patients come in with potentially high-risk illnesses who may seem like they're okay, uh, and they're going to be uh, shoveled to the back first because of the nature of risk. Uh, and so it's all about trying to Risk stratify in the moment um, while also taking care of the patients that are there 
and so what we try and do at, uh, in our facility is uh, round on the waiting room. So we have uh, medical staff who are there to take vital signs and check in with people. Uh, and we always, we always encourage people to come up and let us know if things are changing um, so that we can address it. Wanted to uh, share an, uh, a text that's come in from the 815 area code. Dr. Silver took excellent care of my mom in the emergency room last year. She has Alzheimer's and ended up getting an infection. He is awesome. Thank you, Dr. Silver. So I don't know how often you get to hear thank you, but here is someone that you took care of who is uh, you know, very uh, grateful to you. Well, I appreciate that very much, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that we, we, did, we did our job well. Yeah, and here's uh, the 847 area code. This doctor is great. Have him back. And I hope we can. <laughs> uh, I hope we can, doctor. You did a fantastic job. Really appreciate you joining us. Dr. Jeremy Silver is the medical director of the emergency medicine at Northwestern's Kishwaukee Hospital in DeKalb. Doctor, I hope we can talk to you again, and I hope you have a great Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Dean would love to come back. Thanks for having me, and and have a great day. So uh, we are going to be doing another one of our Dean's Night Out uh, coming up on February 18th. I say February. Why do you, how do you say it? You February. 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 I was just saying Feb. Or you can just say Feb. Feb. Wait. Feb 18. Feb. February is what I say. What do you say? February. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so I should say it like I'm saying it in slow motion. Yes. February. Like you're one of those people that they that they edit on audio during interviews on programs where the audio comes out totally garbled. Won't make any difference once I'm replaced with AI. <laughs> oh, I thought they already did. <laughs> you thought this was you thought this was the improved version? <laughs> really? Wow. Uh, Anyway, uh, (laughs) on the 18th of what will be the second month of the the year. year. There you go. uh, 2024. uh, And it's a leap year this year, by the Mm -hmm. way. February 29th. I'm already excited about that. I'm just not going to say the name of the month. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be the 18th of February. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just say February and get it over with. The Paramount Theater (laughs) downtown Aurora. Aurora. (laughs) uh, You could be one of our 10 winners to win a pair of tickets to join me to see the show and uh, join me at a pre-show reception. All you have to do is go to WGNRadio.com slash contest. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, Slash contest. Were you eating red licorice no. before the newscast? <laughs> Twizzlers. Listen to our podcast, stuff that nobody cares oh, you know about. What I had, you know what I had the other night? A chunky bar. Oh, oh wow. Oh, boy. Chocolate with the raisins and the nuts. nuts yeah. mm-hmm. I used to love those. Mm. Was it as good as it used to be? Though? Yes. Yes, they are. They I've really always, are. They seem a little bit smaller, yeah. but still, though, might the just flavor be that your and taste ha- is still there. Might be that your hand and mouth is so much <laughs> bigger. <laughs> I know your mouth is bigger. Than- it is 1010, and welcome in. Dean Richard, Sunday morning on WGN. I am uh, jaw-dropped by looking outside the window and not seeing any fog or rain outside. You should have been up here yesterday. You saw nothing. Yep, couldn't see across the river. You saw nothing. Because it was completely fogged up. Yes. Yeah. Couldn't yes. see the Ferris wheel on Navy Pier. Nothing. Beer. 
Nothing. Oh, Couldn't really? even see Lakeshore yeah. Drive. Really? Oh, no. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's uh, it, I wouldn't say clear as a bell, but it's it's, it's clearer. Uh, much, much, sure. much improved. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, today and uh, going to get better. Not that I didn't hang on every word of the forecast, but slowly, slowly. Yeah. And Tim Joyce is calling for decreasing clouds. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was emailing him earlier this morning, and he wrote back and said, "Keep your fingers crossed." So, uh, decreasing afternoon clouds tomorrow. Today marks one full week with no sun. Hmm. Yeah. I'm very affected by this. Oh, I am too. I've, yes. tur- I've turned every light on as bright as it'll go. I'm very seasonal. Have you, affected have you ever tried one of these lights that people no. use for this? No. no I, I know people that have, and they say that it does help. I turn the lights It's not going to solve the problem, but it helps. If I turn the lights on bright, it seems to help. Yeah, is that, is that just is that all it's doing, well, or is there some other extra UV medicinal thing that's value going on there? You yeah. know that that they use for what's called seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, I have that. I definitely have that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can't. Everybody gets bummed out with weather like this. Wendy and uh, everybody. Uh, Wendy Snyder was in for Lisa Dent talking about it the other day. Yeah. So, yeah. I want to apologize to a listener uh, who, uh, from the 773 Erico. His name's Danny. Uh, just sent uh, an email in saying, Dean, thanks. I was putting my contact lenses in when you were repeating how you say February at Aurora. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I laughed so hard I lost one of lost my contact contacts. lenses. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry to hear this. Sorry, Danny. Yeah. Oh. Sorry to hear this. Danny, what I recommend is that you just close that one eye for the rest of the day. <laughs> there you go. I'm not a doctor, but as you know, we've been threatening to do a medical segment um, with Doctor Malpractice. Dr. Malpractice. Yeah, the, the Doctor Malpractice uh, segment uh, without any uh, medical knowledge or uh, you know authorization to. This is my uh, you know medical advice to you. This is my <laughs> advice: shut your eye and be quiet. <laughs> For duty and humanity. How about if you went to a doctor and that's what he told you? (laughs) (laughs) Just shut your eye. You know, back in the day, I think doctors were a little more rough than they used to be. Like, I think their bedside manner now is much better than it was back in the day when I was a kid. My mom had a doctor, you know, when I, I would go to all her appointments with her. And she had this one old-fashioned doctor who was so rude <laughs> and, you know, would, would basically, I would ask questions and he basically would tell me to shut up. Now, is this in recent years? <laughs> yeah. Then? Oh, so was, no, I mean, 10 years maybe. Okay. Well, yeah. 10 or 15 years. Not when, not when we were when little, little kids. Yeah. But I, was, I have memories of that. I would take my mom to the doctor and his <laughs> attitude was, I'm the doctor. You be quiet. And stop asking me questions. <laughs> All right, Spanky, go back and read your highlights magazine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go go and see if you can find the figures in the. What was that thing where you had to find the, the pictures within a picture? You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, I forget what that was called. But anyway, uh, that's the kind of doctor I would be. Danny, shut your one eye where you lost your <laughs> contact lens, <laughs> and we'll send you the bill. <laughs> Coming up in a few minutes, we've got a lot of A-listers. I was uh, in London uh, most of last week. 
uh, interviewing the cast of the new movie Argyle. Brian Cranston, Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, Henry Cavill, Sam Rockwell, Ariana DeBose, John Cena. Uh, for this new movie, we'll share some of those conversations with you this morning. But I also did an interview with Austin Butler, who played Elvis in the Elvis movie. It's fantastic. And Callum Turner, who you uh, may know from a variety of movies, mostly in the U.K., but uh, he was in uh, movies like Fantastic Beasts and Glue and uh, in the television series The Capture. He, uh, they, the two of them, Austin Butler and Callum, are stars of the um, new series that just premiered, Masters of the Year, the World War II drama. Uh, we'll share that conversation with you when we come right back. One of the great songs of the World War II era, right? Benny Goodman, Sing, Sing, Sing. Just before World War II, actually. This was before World War II. Late 1930s. Really? Yes. When the song came out. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, this was a signature song where you would see the soldiers dancing with the dames. Yep. At the USOs. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, but, you know, this, the Andrew sisters, uh, you know, that whole era of fantastic music that just brings back that horrible time in history of World War Two, but also the heroics of the greatest generation. Uh, that story has been told in Band of Brothers and so many other films and TV series and now is continued in this new series that has just premiered on Apple TV Plus called Masters of the Air that stars a young group of actors, among them Austin Butler, who uh, we, you know, I guess were, you know, introduced in a big way in that Elvis movie that came out a couple of years uh, ago. Shawana, you saw the Elvis movie, didn't you? You wanted Sure did. Seeing that, and I know, I know that you loved it. Yeah, he, it was he, great. Tom Hanks is in it playing yeah. the colonel. Austin Butler was amazing, and some he people, really channeled Elvis. Really channeled Elvis, yeah. and some people say that he still uh, channels, talks like talks him. Like him. Could. But that's his actual voice. I mean, I've talked yeah. to him outside of interviews. He just has that, uh, you know, kind of voice, as you will hear in a moment. But he stars with a number of other actors, including Callum Turner, who's a British actor uh, who's been in a variety of uh, television series and motion pictures. And, oh, and by the way, is dating singer Dua Lipa right now as well. So uh, good luck to them on uh, keeping that going. But uh, we uh, sat down in a Zoom interview, actually, with uh, Callum and Austin Butler, who I haven't talked to since we were on the grounds of where Elvis Presley lives and uh, now is laid to rest. Austin, uh, it just seems like yesterday that we were at Graceland and, you know, talking about all that that madness uh how much did your life turn upside down how much has it changed and how important is it to you now to do roles and things to separate yourself from all of that man i i i would just say that i i i'm i'm an incredibly uh fortunate person you know i feel very very grateful and uh i feel so so blessed to be able to work with the people that I've, I've been working with and, and, you know, it's, there's so many dreams are coming true. Um, and, uh, and now it's just about choosing projects that, that are challenging, you know, that, that scare me a bit, you know, and, uh, and I'm really just driven by 
the creative teams that that I've always dreamed of working with. So um, I'm I'm really fortunate, and I got to pinch myself every day because I feel like I'm dreaming. Yeah, it's an yeah. absolutely amazing story. Callum, did he break into Elvis at any time during the <laughs> shooting of this movie? No, because he's playing uh, hell clever. And the thing about Austin is that I, I, I can't imagine doing something for two years and, and, and doing it to the level that he did, the level of brilliance that he did, and then have 10 days off and come and, you know, shapeshift and transform into Gail Clevin. I was obsessed with this man's work in this, in this show. I, I just think he's so grounded and, and, and wonderful and can convey an emotion with a look in his eye. I was just learning every single day with, with him, and, and he's the best uh, sparring partner I've ever had. Yeah. What about the physicality of this, Austin? Uh, was there a lot of training, uh, you know, both physically but also in planes and things like that? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've spoken about uh, this a lot, but we we uh, we had this two week boot camp right at the beginning, and. Um, and that was that was you know an integral part in the preparation process because we we were all able to start from square one together you know and and so you build a brotherhood together you, we we had moments of being in the classroom learning about the the history of the world at, at the at the time learning about World War II um, it was all led by Captain Dale Dye and uh, and then we also had the physical part you know and there was there was i mean everything from learning how to salute and how to march and and going on long runs together and mm. doing push-ups and sit-ups together and all of that and uh army, army songs yeah army songs and mm. and then also our time in, in the cockpit you know it was just hours and hours of drilling uh in 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 a b17 cockpit so that way it got to the point where we felt confident that we could we could fly that plane, you know. Yeah, Cal, why, why is there such an interest in this era? Do you think there have been so many movies and so many series about this era and the the men and women who were part of the greatest generation? I mean, well, that's what's the it. fascination. I mean, do you think? You, you, that's it, man. They're the greatest generation, and uh, I've always been fascinated with World War Two. Um, you know, grew up on films like Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers and Pacific and and and. You know what these people did in the face of adversity was was extraordinary, man. And, and and they stood up to evil and they won. And we wouldn't be living the way that uh, we are if it wasn't for these people. So I think there's this immense gratitude and at some moments disbelief. You know, there were so many moments that Hitler mucked up. And if he'd have done one thing, then they would have won the war. And um, that's why I love this story and these guys because to honor them and, 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 and tell their story and shine a light on their legacy is so important. I didn't know about the 8th and I didn't know about the 100th uh, Bomber Group and, and I didn't know that 77% of these guys went down and were shot down, uh, killed or, or ended up in a POW camp. And uh, I didn't know that only 23% of them survived. And I didn't know the, the, anything about them. And I didn't know it was the most volatile war space of all time. And um, that's why I love this show, because we go up and we experience that with them. And we see how uh, violent and volatile it was. But we also go back to England and we witness them dealing with that grief and, uh, and the effects that that has on their, their minds and their souls and their bodies. And I'm just so grateful to them. And I'm so grateful to be a part of this honoring them yeah that's uh, actor callum turner along with austin butler 
I don't think he sounds like Elvis. I just think he's kind of a just kind of a low key way of talking. But I I can see where people think that he's still channeling Elvis. He's not. That's just how he talks. Uh, the series is called Masters of the Air, and it has just premiered on Apple TV Plus. Uh, it's very. It'll remind you a lot of Band of Brothers. Uh, which had uh, Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks uh, involved. This series also has both of them, Spielberg and Tom Hanks. Again, Tom Hanks is not on camera, but he is one of the producers of it, as is uh, Spielberg. And it's got that same kind of uh, feel and reverence for that era and the people who uh, made the sacrifice, uh, you know, and, and went and did the hard work. Uh, to uh, preserve uh, democracy, really, around the world. Uh, So that's part of what this is about. Masters of the Air. Uh, We've got many more A-listers today. We've got lots of them. Uh, I've been doing a lot of interviews lately. As I mentioned, I was in London most of last week. Last week, right after the show, uh, I leave here. I bounce out to O'Hare and catch a flight uh, out to London where I went to the premiere of the new uh, spy uh, action film, Argyle, that will open next Friday. Uh, It's a really fun, uh, I want to say it's a little James Bond-like. It is a little bit, but it's kind of a comedy uh, spy movie uh, and stars people like Brian Cranston and Bryce Dallas Howard, who we will hear from in our next hour, and uh, also Ariana DeBose, she played Rita in the Steven Spielberg uh, version of West Side Story. So that there's that fantastic role for which she won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, by the way. Uh, we talked with her. We talked with the actor slash wrestler John Cena, one of the nicest guys in the world. Also uh, in the film, you'll hear from Ariana and John Cena also a little bit later on in the show today. Uh, but we've got interviews with Henry Cavill, who I'm convinced should be the next James Bond, by the way. I mean, he played Superman, but he's got those, you know, stunning good looks, and he's so suave and debonair. I mean, he is really would be the perfect James Bond and kind of shows that in this movie in a completely uh, sort of comedic way. But uh, we talked with Sam Rockwell, who was an Oscar winner, uh, who was in the movie, and Samuel L. Jackson, who was in the movie. So we've got, we've got a lot of interviews that we've done in London uh, and uh, otherwise, some Zoom interviews and uh, headed to Los Angeles this coming week to talk to the stars of uh, Dune Part 2. Timothy Chalamet, Austin Butler is going to be there. I'll talk with Austin Butler again. Zendaya, uh, it's an A-list filled cast uh, for Dune 2 and I'll also get a look at it. So. I'll be able to give you a little bit of an early preview of uh, what we think of that. So we've got lots of A-listers coming up over the next couple of weeks. Coming up on the show today, uh, we have a live musical performance from Karen Kane and Raina Gellert. They did a show in uh, Champaign last night and are doing a 4 o'clock show today at Fitzgerald's in Berwyn. If you like uh, the music that is known as Americana, sort of bluegrass, but Americana-style music, they're going to perform uh, live for us coming up after 11 o'clock this morning. We've got uh, the director of the Drury Lane's Fiddler on the Roof. We've got our pal Ronnie Marmo, who played Lenny Bruce 
in Chicago is headed back to town with uh, some other productions. We've got a lot coming up this morning. Stick around. All right. At uh, 10.35. Time for the Week in Theater. What is going on on stage in Chicago? Well, let's see here. We have got uh, Hamilton, the musical, closing at the Niederlander Theater. It's been here since before Christmas. The second or third run of Hamilton in Chicago. Either way, uh, fantastic show. It's sold out today, so if you're uh, thinking you might run downtown to try to catch it, uh, too late. Uh, tickets already sold out for that. Been telling you about Billy Elliot, the musical, and how uh, that will be coming to the Paramount in Aurora. We've got one of our Dean's Night Out uh, planned for that, where you can win tickets to join me to come and see the show. Uh, February the 18th, uh, you can be one of our 10 winners to win a pair of tickets to see the show and join me for a pre-show reception. Uh, You can just go to WGNRadio.com slash contests and then we'll have a random drawing for that we've got uh, matchbook magic flute coming to the goodman theater uh, which is a presentation of mozart's opera featuring a cast of 10 and an orchestra of five which will be on stage february 10th through march 10th you can get tickets at goodmantheater.org if you'd like or got a pair of tickets to uh, give away right now for that uh, we'll just take caller seven on our contest line which is 312-981-7200 312-981-7200 caller seven did i say seven caller five seven seven uh okay we'll uh, win those uh, tickets to see match box magic flute something else that's coming to chicago uh, involves a friend of our sunday morning show here uh, Ronnie Marmo, who's been here with us several times, and uh, he is the the guy that brought to life with uh, r- riveting clarity uh, Lenny Bruce. I'm not a comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce was the show that he's done here in Chicago a couple of times and is bringing back along with another production that sounds uh, equally as interesting. Ronnie Marmo is on our phone line right now. Are you in Los Angeles right now? I am, Dean. I'm on my first cup of coffee, so be gentle. Yeah, it's super <laughs> early out there for you, for you, showbiz, well, you, you spoiled showbiz types that sleep until noon every day. Listen, when Dean Richards calls, you get up. It doesn't matter how long. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter how early it is. So yeah. That's the way it works. I'm sure that's the reason. Uh, it's, I, well, hello, first of all. It's so great to hear hello. your voice always. And I am so interested in the these uh, two shows, the Lenny Bruce show, uh, can't recommend enough. I'm not a comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce is going to be at the Biograph Theater in Lincoln Park in the Richard Christensen Theater. It's a smaller theater within the bigger Biograph. Uh, talk to me about that, but talk to me also about uh, this other show that you're bringing back, Bill W. and Dr. Bob. So the Lenny Bruce show, this will be the fourth time I'm coming back to Chicago, if you count Skokie in September, which went great, by the way. Um, So I'm bringing Lenny back because there's just such an appetite for the show in Chicago, and I'm so grateful for that. So the idea was is I really wanted to introduce Chicago to the Bill W. and Dr. Bob show, which is the origin story to the two gentlemen who came together in 1935 and started AA. And so... 
I've produced and directed the show twenty times, uh, five times over twenty years in Los Angeles, and it's always like an incredible turnout. Not only do all the twelve steppers in town come, but then the theater folks come, and it's it's funny, it's inspiring, it's all the stuff. It's not just the AA a big downer, you know. It's really a great show. But then someone suggested to me, uh, why don't you do both in rep? And that'll be fun. And I'm like, yeah, that'll be fun in my life. I'm already insane. So, but I, but I took, I took them up on the challenge. And so I'll be playing Bill Wilson in the Bill W show. And I'll be playing Lenny, obviously on, in the other in Lenny. So it'll be Thursday and Friday, Lenny, Saturday and Sunday, Bill W. And we'll be doing both shows in rep for about six weeks. Wow. That's, I can't yeah. imagine. I mean, you, you joke and say, you know, I'm already, I'm already you know, crazy to do these shows, but I can imagine emotionally what it must do to you as an actor to take on these very challenging and very dimensional roles. Yeah, I know. It's actually saving me a lot of money on therapy because I just leave it on the <laughs> stage for the audience. So um, it's really a lot, Dean. But you know what? Here's the truth. Like, if, if I'm an actor and, I, and I'm blessed enough to get to do these things like you know, I can't tell you how long in my career I did roles like, you know, Sarge, phone call, Mr. You Forgot Your Pickle. So it, when you finally get an opportunity to do the things like this, it's like if you, if you turn your back on it, then maybe you really are an actor, you know. So I'm thrilled to get to do it, although it's a humongous challenge. You, uh, the, the, the Bill W. Uh, production uh, has a personal connection, as as you state in the press release for the show. I'm not telling stories out of school. Uh, you you talk about uh, having gone to Alcoholics Anonymous since you were 17. So this must have a a personal uh, you know reason for you bringing the show to life, right? That is true. You know, when I first, uh, when I was a teenager, I was a bit reckless, to say the least. And uh, I was lucky enough to find the program as a teenager. And when I first came in, it felt like there were a lot of just old guys in, in the meetings. And then all of a sudden, I stayed. And then another young guy came, and he stayed. And then another guy, and he stayed. And it was in Central Jersey. And so, for me, I've been sober 33 years, which is a long time. Um, I never had a legal drink. I was very lucky. And... You know, it means a lot to me. I, I, that's why I want to present this show, because I think, you know, not only is it important for sober folks, but you also see the birth of Alan in the show. It's really great. Uh, and so it means so much. And I know it's an anonymous program, and certainly I respect that for others. But for myself, I never want to be too anonymous where I can't put myself out there and maybe help somebody. So. I thought, well, let me present this. We're about to take both shows. We've been on a national tour for Lenny for quite a while, a couple of years since we left Chicago. But now we're taking Bill W. on a national tour. And I thought, what a better way than to come to my favorite city for a sit-down, and then off we go on the road. Yeah, and uh, Lenny Bruce, as you said, uh, really connected uh, here in Chicago. Do you think that's because Lenny Bruce himself, the the actual Lenny Bruce, had uh, you know such profound Chicago roots? It must be. I mean, that must be one of the reasons. What I'm finding, well, first of all, Lenny's first arrest ever was at the Gate of Horn in Chicago, right across the street from what is now Mr. Kelly's. Uh, was now uh, um, what Gibson's Steakhouse. Gibson's that, that used to be Mr. Kelly's, right? Yeah, yeah. Lenny got arrested right across the street there. But what I'm finding, Dean, in the whole country is people want to hear from Lenny. It's crazy. Everywhere I go. People are like, I don't know, First Amendment, free speech, cancel culture, comedy, 
just all the stuff. And the more conservative the town is, the more they're embracing the show. So it's really the opposite of what a lot of people told me it was going to look like when we went on tour. And Chicago, and I'm not just saying this, and please don't tell New York I said this, but (laughs) Chicago is the most, uh, how do I say, just the most supportive theater town in the country. I mean, it's unbelievable. Not only are they smart theater folks, but they're like rooting for you at the same time, and it's wonderful. Yeah, uh, there there have been many uh, newspaper articles done uh, from renowned international theater experts that have called Chicago the theater capital of America. Uh, much to no doubt. much to New York's uh, dismay with that. I mean, they have certainly big shows and big stars, but uh, when it comes to really substantive kind of stage productions. Uh, Chicago is uh, second to none, not just my opinion as a hometown boy, you know, super proud of the work that we do here. But I think really objectively, we we produce uh, some some really great stuff here. Uh, When you when you move a show from L.A. to New York, when you move a show that's been successful in L.A., New York looks at you like, okay, let's see what you got, buddy. And then when you do well, they go, okay, good. It's good. Chicago, when you come from L.A. to Chicago, they're literally waiting for you at the airport, rooting for you, you know. They get their ticket, they sit in the front row, and they're ready to go. And it's just a different energy, and yeah. I appreciate that yeah. so much. I can't, yeah. I cannot tell you how many directors and actors, <clears throat> A-list directors and actors, have said exactly the same thing to me. They bring their shows to Chicago uh, because they respect the audiences here and the reaction that they're going to get. Uh, so uh, I, I think that's uh, very definitely echoed. So uh, when, yeah. when is all this happening now? It begins about the middle of March, I think, right? March 7th, we preview Bill W. and Dr. Bob. We open officially on March 8th. And then the following, and we're going to do five performances over the weekend. Then the following week, I'll introduce Lenny back to the Chicago audience. And as I said before, Thursday and Friday will be Lenny Bruce, starting the 14th of March. And then Saturday, we'll be doing two shows, and Sunday, one show of the Bill W. and Dr. Bob. And I feel so blessed to be a part of Biograph and the rebirth of, of, of that beautiful landmark and the Richard Christensen. So I'm excited, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic uh, spot. You know, it's where Dillinger was murdered, right in the alley where, where you're going to be performing. So I always go in the alley and see if I can hear a ghost or anything like that when I, when I go to the theater there. Uh, I know, it's pretty wild. When I visited the theater, they had little groups going by looking in the course, alley. Of course cool. they do. Of course <laughs> they do. Uh, you get uh, info and tickets at LennyBruceOnStage.com. And also Bill W N Doctor D R D Doctor Bob on stage dot com Lenny Bruce on stage dot com Bill W N Doctor Bob on stage dot com to see uh, Ronnie Marmo who is always amazing on stage and I can't wait to see you when you get into town my friend. Thank you, Dean. I really do appreciate it, and I look forward to seeing you as well. Likewise. When we come back, we'll talk with the director of the production of Fiddler on the Roof that's out at the Jury Lane in Oakbrook Terrace next. One of the great songs of uh, theater, If I Were a Rich Man from Fiddler on the Roof, truly one of my favorite musicals of all time. So happy that there is a new production that's just opened here in Chicago, in the Chicago area, at the Jury Lane Theater in Oakbrook Terrace. Uh, Director Elizabeth Morgolius uh, presents the show to you. And Elizabeth, it's so nice to have you with us this morning. Hello. Hi, Dean. Thank you so much for having me. Nice to be here. It's a pleasure. So how do you take a show that is so well-known, songs that are so well-known, 
and uh, you know breathe some new life into it. That's got to be a challenge for a director. Yeah, well, I guess uh, one of the first things is it's such the musical itself. Like you said, it's one of my um, favorite pieces as well. It's been in my life since I was a child. Um, it's such an enduring piece in itself. So you have a great musical first. Um, so you have great material to work with, and for me, it was about digging in deeply into the material and into the material behind the musical itself, um, which is based on the short stories of Sholem Aleichem. And I spent a lot of time studying those stories, studying the history um, of the time of 1905 and Imperial Russia, and, and then really digging into what the piece is really about and focusing on those themes. Um, and I think I was able to find, I hope, um, a different way in as far as uh, visually and just how I'm telling the story itself. Yeah, and uh, really there is a timelessness to the message. I mean, I mean all the, the great music and dancing, of course, is all there. But there is a timelessness Absolutely. to the, the, the message of this piece as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's a story that keeps repeating itself. Um, and so I do think there's a timelessness to it. And really, you know, what I was most interested in are the people of this story and their relationships and, and their story, the story itself. And I was really able to strip away all of the other things of the piece and, and focus in on them um, and, and, and create something that um, I think will look a little different to audiences, um, but, but will still be recognizable as, as the fiddler that, that everyone loves. Yeah, I, w- I was wondering about that. Tell us a little about uh, staging the show on the Drury Lane Oakbrook stage and uh, yeah. a little about your cast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's the first time for me at Drury Lane, um, so it's been very exciting. And um, it, directorially for me, I- I've always been someone who um, is interested in minimalism and stripping away um, a lot of the things um, of a story and getting down to the core. So, um, so this 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 piece looks very different. Um, and there's a lot of I think we used photography and um, and a lot of uh, unusual um, ways in as far as as far as the imagery is concerned. And I think um, audiences hopefully will find that um, fascinating. The other thing is it, we have an extraordinary cast. Mark David Kaplan is playing Tevia, um, and just truly um, a cast that has been so cohesive and on board um, and connected to the story um, from the very first day of rehearsal. Um, so, so that has been an absolute pleasure. And along with that, um, this fantastic uh, group of designers and crew um, that have just supported um, how I uh, wanted to tell the story in every way. So it's it's absolutely been in, it, a pleasure to work to work with this group. At yeah, Drury. I was looking at the cast list. Mark David Kaplan has been a longtime uh, favorite. Your Tevia, but uh, just yeah. look, looking at the rest of the cast, I mean, it's just some of my favorite names in uh, theater uh, work here in uh, Chicago. You 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 do have a strong strong cast. Oh, my goodness. We really, really do. And, you know, the great thing about it is we do have some of these longtime favorites, um, you know, like Mark, um, uh, uh, like Jeff Parker. You know, there's a lot of longtime favorites in the cast. But there's also, um, you know, uh, some younger people in the cast that, you know, people may not have seen yet. 
um, that are just equally as you know interesting and brilliant. And um, it, it truly is a cast that has come together um, to tell this story um, as an ensemble, um, like like you may not have seen before in yeah. Chicago. It really is. It's it's a pleasure to watch. Them yeah, keeping there. keeping the tradition, if you will, uh, alive. It is yes. Fiddler on the Roof that's playing at the Drury Lane in Oakbrook Terrace through March 24th. I can't wait to see it myself. Ticket info, 630-530-0111. Or if you go to DruryLaneTheater.com, that's theater with R-E, DruryLaneTheater.com, you can get uh, some information. Uh, Elizabeth um, Morgolius, the director of the show, I thank you for joining us today. I wanted to I wanted to share a little tradition from uh, Fiddler this morning, just to kind of get us all in the mood. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day today. Thank you. Oh, fantastic! Thank you, Dean, so much. Thanks for having me. Fantastic recording from the 2004 Tony Awards for. Uh, their version of Fiddler on the Roof that was premiering that year. You can see the version now at the Drury Lane Theater in Oak Brook Terrace. It is playing through March uh, March 24th. Check that out. Coming up in the next half hour, Brian Cranston and Bryce Dallas Howard join us to talk about their new movie. Plymouth, Indiana, you say? Plymouth, Indiana. Where, where, where'd that be? It's just east of Knox, Indiana. Okay. Should I ask the question? Go ahead. Where's Knox, Indiana? It is southeast of Valparaiso, Indiana. Oh, I know Valpo. Me too. No, Plymouth is is on US 30, uh, just about due south of South Bend. Um, as you're on your way to uh, the Fort Wayne area there, you'll go through Plymouth. Is there a crazy Kaplan's there to get, <laughs> get some fireworks and smoke? I don't know. Lottery tickets? I don't know. Well, so, you imagine you could get some cigarettes or lottery tickets. It's a little ironic that I'm getting fireworks and cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a dangerous combo. To That's have. what you would get, though. Don't you do that when you uh, cross the uh, state line here? I would never mm-hmm. break the law. I'm a oh, of course not. I'm a law abider. I thought you would have a comment on the story I used here about the protesters. I'm not allowed to talk during your newscast. No, but I thought you would talk about it now. Well, maybe but, I will in a minute if you follow the script of the show. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot during rehearsal. Let's see. I have 1107. A whole, I have Dean a whole, makes comments. I have a whole multimedia presentation. 110730. Dean makes more comments. Andy, what are your predictions for the football games today? You know, I knew you were going to ask that. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going with my, with my heart on both of these because I would really love to see the, the Chiefs in there again. Just because I, I just, there's just something about the Kelsey guy and, and, and Mahomes and Andy Reid. You just want to see Taylor Swift. Well, that too. I want to see how many cutaways there are. And uh, I would love to see Detroit get in there. I mean, Detroit is the only team in the, in the NFC North that has never made a Super Bowl appearance. Oh. Uh, their last championship was 1957. This is the first time they've been in the championship game since 1992. So it's been a long drought. Dan Campbell, a very charismatic head coach, and uh, they're, they're doing good things over there. Well, if the NFL has any way of manipulating the outcome of a game, they, they'd be nuts not to have the Chiefs yeah. progress. To have Taylor Swift at your Super Bowl would just shoot, yeah. shoot the ratings up even higher than they're going to be. And it's in Las Vegas, so go ahead, go figure it. Right? Yep. Right? I mean, in addition, Usher is doing the halftime show. That's going right. to be huge. But, you know, Taylor Swift is there. Maybe she joins him. 
on stage. Ah, I don't, I don't know. Know. Who knows what could happen? Well, that'd be interesting. What craziness could happen if the Chiefs get in? What craziness could ensue? And I think I would like the Lions uh, to get in as well. Yeah, and you know, maybe it'd be a lesson for the for the Bears front office over there to realize how far behind the uh, the eight ball the, the Bears really are right now, with the Vikings and the Lions both uh, being pretty good, yeah. and the Packers too. Well, we'll know who's going to the Super Bowl by the end of the day uh, today. And uh, when we come back from the break, uh, hey, Schwani, this is going to be a shock. We're going to talk about the Mona Lisa. Nice. Someone throwing <laughs> soup at the Mona Lisa. Thanks for spoiling oh, yes, that. Yes, here it is in the script, 1109. Thank Dean, you for Dean promotes the story. Thank you for paying attention to the outline. Mona Lisa, strangeness. In your smile. And one day someone will throw soup on you. Smile to tempt the great Nat King Cole with uh, Mona Lisa. I love everything Nat King Cole sings. Everything he did. One of my favorite singers of all time, without a doubt. Beautiful. Absolutely. And, and he didn't start out as a singer. What did he start out as? As a pianist. Oh, he had this trio? amazing trio, and the then trio? just started singing, and one thing led to another. How do you have a voice like that? I know. Not yeah. make that predominant. Yeah. Had a wonderful guitarist there, Oscar Moore. Yeah. Someone threw soup on the Mona Lisa. <laughs> it is still a lovely work of art, though. Well, they have it encased mm-hmm. in bulletproof <laughs> glass. Have you ever gone to see it? No, I haven't. I have. Uh, have it's you? Tiny. It's you, tiny. You, okay, you went through the Louvre. Yeah. The Louvre. How are they even letting people with soup into the That's Louvre? That's a good question. Yeah. yeah. Isn't there a line and a sign there that says, no soup for you? <laughs> <laughs> How did they let anybody into the Louvre without thoroughly checking them for everything? How do you get Especially get after they have had threats. It's not easy to get to the Mona Lisa. It's way inside the Louvre. Yeah. Uh, but then you go in, and there it is. It's much smaller than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it is not a big painting. It's not a big painting, but it is captivating. And it's uh, they, they have bulletproof glass around it, so knuckleheads can't ruin it. And many have tried, by the way. This oh, is, they tried to steal it? This is not the first time that... Uh, Somebody has, uh, and it was it was stolen by a Louvre employee in 1911, and was damaged. Uh, there was an acid attack on it in the 1950s. In 2009, someone threw a ceramic cup at the painting. Who walks into the Louvre <laughs> with a ceramic cup and nobody notices? <sighs> Uh, Pierre, should we stop that person with this? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, Andre. What should we do? Call Inspector Clouseau. Somebody get a baguette and we can discuss. <laughs> right now, I am going to smoke a cigar. <laughs> In front of the Mona Lisa. <laughs> One of my many voices that I do. That was pretty good, actually. Thank you, Philip. You could be Inspector Clouseau. Merci beaucoup. We <laughs> oui. uh, let's see, ceramic cup, and then uh, in 2022, <laughs> somebody smeared frosting on the <laughs> protection. <laughs> Pierre, do you notice that person with frosting? <laughs> Perhaps, perhaps, to... perhaps it is a Betty Crocker recipe. I, I would like a pastry with frosting on it now. <laughs> Maybe it was a Mona Lisa's birthday. Un baguette with frosting, please. 
Now the next question is, what kind of soup? It was, was pumpkin. Thrown? It was pumpkin. Pumpkin soup. soup? Yeah. It wasn't French onion. <laughs> it was not. Or French, French onion. No. And uh, number one, why does the Mona Lisa have to be the target? This was a, an environmental. Uh, protest. They were demanding healthy and sustainable food. So why do you decide that you're going to attack the Mona Lisa when you have that kind? Go protest all you want. I guess we wouldn't be talking about it all if it wasn't the Mona Lisa. So I, I guess that's the reason. But leave the woman alone. <laughs> Hasn't she been through enough? <laughs> Haven't an Andre and Pierre of the security guards been through enough? <laughs> really? Henri. Sacre bleu. Someone has thrown pumpkin soup at Mona Lisa. I am going to smoke a cigarette and decide what to do. Pierre, did you bring escargot for lunch? Oh, God. Somebody threw pumpkin soup. Now, I guess if I'm going to throw soup on something, I'm going to make it pumpkin. Because that's going to be dramatic. It's thick it's creamy it's you know viscous yeah but leave the woman alone come yeah, on really You're gonna go protest go go to the champs Elysees and do something outside <laughs> walk around the arc de triomphe yeah is that the person with the pumpkin soup i saw <laughs> at the museum now at the champs Elysees? <laughs> they are now there come on uh, the painting is two and a half feet tall, two feet wide. Not big. Yeah. No. You know what is bigger than, uh, certainly bigger than that, is uh, the painting of The Last Supper that's in Milan. Well, isn't that a, a, on a wall or something? Yeah, it's like on a, a wall. It's, it's a like mural. A, a fresco or yeah, something, right? Yeah, it's a mural. Yeah, that's a Da Vinci piece of uh, work too also and there is that that's in a climate controlled room yes and you can only spend so much time in it and by the way you cannot smoke a cigarette yeah oh they practically give you a full body cavity search when you go mm. <laughs> to look at <laughs> you've some seen of, that yeah yeah i've been i've been it and it's stunning it takes your oh, breath away to wow. see it yeah uh but they, they, at least there are some precautions how are you walking into the louvre with pumpkin soup <laughs> and nobody, nobody noticed. Nobody cares. How does that happen? Those are these are my two questions. How does somebody walk in and nobody notices? And why do you decide that you're going to try to deface one of the most famous, uh, maybe the most famous painting Work of, of all art. time? Uh, that that you decide to do that, except I guess because it's going to get all the attention because it, it's so ridiculous. But doesn't it also make your concern about the environment a little bit ridiculous doesn't it demean your protest when you do something so ridiculous i i i, I don't take these protester protesters seriously at all no for the stupidity and i hope their, they were arrested of their stunt i hope they were caught oh yeah pierre and andre got them <laughs> <laughs> they're the andy and barney of paris <laughs> Uh, Pierre, nip it in the bud. <laughs> Have you called Gomer? <laughs> Gomer. We, only made it, we almost made it three hours without an Andy Griffith reference. Gomer and Otis. <laughs> Otis. Otis has had too much vin. <laughs> too much vin. 
That's wine in in English oh, okay. for all you non-Frenchies. English, if you play, if you don't understand my complex characterization. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you have done so many voices I'm today. Exhausted. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted just listening. I'm working way too hard on this show. <laughs> Now that it's gotten colder, you and your family are indoors. You'll be breathing a lot of the air in your home, which the EPA says is more polluted than the air outside. Service to a green tea. Hi, it's Tonya Corey for my family business, Green Tea Air Duct Cleaning. You can trust our bonded green tea crews in your home. They'll clean your intakes, returns, and furnace of unhealthy pollutants, so you'll breathe healthy indoor air. Plus, your furnace will be up to 40% more efficient, saving you money. 805 Green Tea. Now, for a limited time, get our $97 Air Duct Cleaning Special. Only $97 to breathe fresh, healthy air in your home. Plus, our 100% satisfaction Green Tea Guarantee. Call Green Tea now for details. 805 Green Tea. Green Tea Services. Service to a Green Tea. 800-5-GREEN-TEA 800-5-GREEN-TEA or greenteaservices.com Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. Imagine a world where animals and humans coexist in harmony, where wild animals thrive, habitats are protected, and marginalized communities are empowered. At International Animal Rescue, this is our vision. Our holistic, community-led projects not only rescue animals, Animals, but also protect and replenish precious habitats, creating a better future for us all. But we can't do this without you. Show your support now and help keep the wild, wild. Visit internationalanimalrescue.org. A suburban mayor accused of living large on taxpayer money. You didn't go to Las Vegas? No come. You don't know if you were in Las Vegas? WGN-TV investigates Tuesday at 9. Dean Richards, Sunday morning. Chicago's WGN Radio 720. There's a man who leads a life of danger. To everyone he meets, he stays a stranger. It is 1122. This is Dean Richards, Sunday morning, WGN. Wanted to talk about Secret World of... Secret Agent Man and Spies, a new movie is about to open next Friday. It's called uh, Argyle, which is a really interesting kind of spy movie slash comedy. It's from uh, the same director who gave us the Kingsman movies, which are great uh, kind of spy movies, but with complete comedic twist to it all. Uh, this is the same about a spy novelist whose novels are coming a little too close to what some actual spy work is being done. And then she becomes the target of the bad guys uh, in this. Uh, The novelist is played by Bryce Dallas Howard. Brian Cranston uh, stars in the film. Ariana DeBose, John Cena, 
uh, Henry Cavill, Superman fame, Sam Rockwell, Samuel L. Jackson, among others. Uh, I wanted to share the conversation that I had the other day in London, because uh, that's one of the places that uh, this movie is based, with uh, Brian Cranston and also Bryce Dallas Howard. The overwhelming sense that I got, aside from this crazy story, and was that you all were having so much fun with these roles. Did I read this correctly, or are you just like super good actors? <laughs> no, you, you are super good actors. Oh, well, thank yeah. you. I mean, this is such an insanely joyful movie. And so to get to be part of something where every day it's not just like, you know, it's it, it's it's about exploration and discovery and playfulness and mischief and um, and then working with, you know, people like Brian Cranston and Sam Rockwell and Catherine O'Hara and Sam Jackson and Dua Lipa and Sophia Botella and John Cena and Henry Cavill and 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 and, and, and Ariana DeBose. It's like that's impressive that you've got all the names memorized. No, but it is right? yeah, all star. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an all star team. Yeah, it was it just fun. so thrilling right. yeah. to watch other people work. It was like, oh, look at them, my favorite actors <laughs> right here. You know, yeah, unreal. How funny would it be if you said you had a terrible time doing this? Brian? I had a terrible time <laughs> doing this. Just awful. Uh, you, you know, there are times when you, you don't have a good time and the movie's good, or vice versa. When, when you do have a good time and the movie's good, boy, everything just feels great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When, like this one, where it was crazy and fun and, you know, you feel like you can do no wrong. Take chances, ad-lib things, throw things out. Whether it ends up in the movie or not, it doesn't matter. Just try a bunch of stuff. And, and that certainly was the, the mood that was set on, yeah. uh, on filming. That was sort of the sense that I got, that it, it felt so spontaneous. Yes. Sp- uh, an explosion of, of fun from all of you. That yeah. An explosion of fun. Yes. On the movie poster. Get it printed right away. So since the pandemic, I started doing a cooking segment on our show. That I'm still doing three years later. The people, it really has taken off. And Brian, I don't know, Bryce, maybe you're a great cook also and have some recipes. But Brian, I know that you have uh, been doing a little dabbling in the uh, world of especially drinkology. Yeah. Well, drinkology, yes. I, uh, Dos Hombres Mezcal has, been, uh, has taken off. Uh, it's now the number five mezcal out wow, there. That's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just exploded. And you have a, An explosion of drink. <laughs> That's our theme yeah. for today. Do you, I mean, is there a, a drink that I could recreate on our show in your honor? Uh, yes. Yeah, there, well, he would come to I the can, hair and makeup trailer yeah. and make drinks made, for everyone. Oh, nice. yes. Yeah. No yes. wonder you're having so yeah. much fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. she you're doesn't all full drink. of tequila. I don't drink. She I don't. Drink I don't drink. But he made me a non-alcoholic version. Oh, it was nice. so good. Yeah. So what's in it, Brian? What's in it? What's in it? Well, you could. Uh, it depends on what you like. You know, when we do theater, uh, the audience is never wrong. So I would go to a bar, or restaurant with my mezcal, and I would have to say, "What do you like? Do you like an old fashioned? Do you like a Negroni? Do you like a margarita? Do you like a Paloma?" I can make all of those things with mezcal, 
And it'll. It, I'm telling you, you will never go back to whatever the original really? spirit was. Right. Oh yeah, no people yeah. flip out. Yeah, Consider really it recreated. Do you, are, are, do you have a specialty something that I oh, can no. try to recreate, Bryce? I'm a I'm a terrible cook. No, and I'm a terrible eater. I'm like a two year old. <laughs> like I like mushy baby food, <laughs> and then I'm happy. Like I I. Yeah. Well, it would make it easy to, to cook for you. Yes. Oh, yes. Right. Very easy. Yes. There's about three things. And you just mush it. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah. yeah. Just like Just baby overcook food. everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 Pretty exactly. much. Pretty much. It's so nice to see both of you. Congratulations. You. So, much. so much fun watching. I appreciate that. They are both uh, so absolutely great. Uh, the great Brian Cranston, the great Bryce Dallas Howard in this uh, delightful film that is called Argyle. It opens in theaters this coming Friday. I'll tell you much more about the movie. Uh, when I review it next Friday, and uh, we'll, of course, have interviews with uh, many of the other cast members uh, as well, all uh, coming up both here on WGN Radio and uh, when I do my Bob Surratt uh, segment between 8 and 8.30, Monday through Friday, and also on WGN uh, TV Morning News as well. So we've got a lot of good stuff for you uh, coming up. Uh, a little bit later on, also from that movie, Ariana DeBose, who won an Academy Award for uh, uh, playing uh, Rita in uh, the latest version of West Side Story, and also wrestler, actor John Cena, uh, talking about the, the film, and uh, Ariana also giving us a, a recipe as well uh, that I'm going to be recreating on uh, my TV cooking segment uh, as well. But coming up in our next segment... Very excited for a conversation and live performance from Kieran Kane and Raina Gellert. Uh, they are doing a four o'clock show today at Fitzgerald's in Berwyn. I think you'll really enjoy their music, and uh, we'll get to all of that. Coming up after a check of WGN News. Hey, it's Lisa Dent. WGN sounds great on the WGN app. Download it now and make us the first button on your digital dashboard. See how at WGNRadio.com. We have 38 degrees and cloudy skies at 1130. Good morning. I'm Dave Schwan, and the news is sponsored by News Nation. Flooding continues to be a problem along the Kankakee River, even though water levels are going down. In sports, the AFC Championship today has Kansas City at Baltimore at 2 o'clock, the NFC Championship at 5.30 today with Detroit and San Francisco. The Bulls are playing Portland, and in college basketball, Purdue plays Rutgers today. Looking at WGN traffic, uh, we have a situation on the Kennedy now. Slow traffic inbound between Ohio and Randolph, and really that's about it right now. The rest of the expressways and tollways moving well at this hour. The National Weather Service expects the Kankakee River to fall below flood stage today, but a flood watch is in effect for most of the rivers around Chicago until noon tomorrow. Flooding along the Kankakee led to evacuations earlier last week in downtown Wilmington. Several businesses were forced to close, and in some cases, the water rose three feet in one hour as the ice started to melt along the Kankakee late last week. The CDC warns health providers across the U.S. to be on the lookout for measles. There have been 23 confirmed cases of measles from December 1st to January 23rd in the country. The CDC also warns there's a growing 
global threat as the uptick in measles cases is looking at a rise in infections globally. Presidential candidate Nikki Haley has been the target of a swatting incident. An unknown person reportedly called SWAT teams to her South Carolina home last month, claiming he shot his girlfriend at Haley's residence. No one was hurt. No one was at home when the prank call occurred, and police determined it to be a hoax. Authorities in the Chatham neighborhood in the south side of Chicago are trying to find out what caused a fire in an apartment building yesterday that happened to displace over two dozen people. Eleven adults and eleven children were displaced in the fire that started on South Champlain around 1.45 yesterday afternoon. The forecast from the WGN Chicago Weather Center. Cloudy and a bit breezy today with some spotty showers, a high around 40. Clouds and some fog overnight tonight and relatively mild, a low of 29. Decreasing clouds tomorrow afternoon and a high of 42. 37 now at O'Hare, it's 40 at Midway and 35 along the lake. I'm Dave Schwan, WGN News. Next news when it happens, next scheduled news at 12 noon. We want something from our breaking news desk off of our text line? Yes, yes. This is big. Okay. This is uh, shocking. Ready? All right. I'm standing by. Dean, we just got our first sunshine in Schaumburg. <gasps> oh. First sunshine in that... a bunch of days in Schaumburg. There is hope. 847 area code Dean, we have sunshine in Buffalo Grove. It's exciting. There is hope. There is hope. Thank you for providing oh, that ray of sunshine. From our no breaking news intended. desk. This is from our breaking news desk. <laughs> Thank you very much to our correspondents in Schaumburg and Buffalo Grove. Yeah. Got to find my sunglasses now. <laughs> I don't know where they are. I got to start complaining about that's too sunny. <laughs> I have to switch my complaining from gloom and fog and rain to oh the sun's killing my eyes <laughs> uh yeah thank you thank you for those updates uh, also i want to thank everybody uh, we had our little mona lisa story uh a little few minutes ago i want to thank everybody for uh texting in what other soups would have been good to throw at the mona lisa i can think of the number <laughs> so, so far the most popular is tomato soup tomato okay what about lo- split pea well that would have been good too but yeah. i think that people like the tomato because <laughs> it looks like blood oh makes a statement for a protest uh and i love the text uh from the 708 uh, don't you love the irony that the protesters want sustainable food, yet they're wasting it by throwing... Yeah, <laughs> how about it? At the museum. Your nose is for breathing. Your mouth is for eating. And if you're breathing through your mouth, it's not because your body wants to. It's because it has to, because your nose isn't working properly. And although you've lived like this, it's no way to live, and it's having a significant impact on your life. I know you know this, and I know that taking action isn't always convenient. But at Advent, we've done all we can to make changing your life for the better as easy as possible. I'm Dr. Mother Candula. With tens of thousands of our patients, a thorough breathing triangle evaluation, along with a simple 20-minute in-office procedure called balloon sinuplasty, has opened their nasal passages, allowing them to breathe freely through their nose for good. And there's a good chance this procedure can do the same for you. We'll help you breathe through your nose again, and it will change your life. Go to adventnose.com to schedule your appointment because Advent knows when you breathe well, you live better. Adventnose.com 
No heat, no need to panic, no need to wait. Help is just around the corner. Call now and ABC's knowledgeable professionals will be there to get your furnace back up and running, restoring heat to your home today. For over 70 years, ABC's plumbing, sewer, heating, cooling, and electric experts have been there for Chicagoland homeowners with five-star service guaranteed. For peace of mind now and all season long, visit 4abc.com, the number 4abc.com, and consider it done. We asked people why they sold their homes to Grandview Homes instead of using a real estate agent. We needed to sell mom's home quickly and with a company we could rely on. No showings, no closing costs, no staging, no real estate agent fees, no added stress. Whether you have a hard-to-sell home, want a stress-free sale, or simply need to sell your home fast, Grandview Homes is the name you know and the name you can trust. Visit GrandviewHomes.com to discover the easiest and fastest way to sell a home. Winter's here. It's time to talk to the pros at Window Nation. You know, replacing those old windows is easier and more affordable than you think with no interest for five years and 50% off all window styles. Don't wait. Simply call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Bob's Record Collection. Are you lonesome tonight? Elvis and his laughing attack. Brought to you by Air Room Architects, Builders, and Remodelers. Weekday mornings after 9 on the Bob Surratt Morning Show. On WGN Radio. Dean Richards, Sunday morning. Chicago's WGN Radio 720. 11.37, Dean Richards, Sunday morning. WGN. Absolutely beautiful. It's the music of Karen Kane and Raina Gallert. Uh, they did a show in Champaign last night, Champaign, Illinois, and uh, did the long drive to Chicago because uh, they have a four o'clock show today in uh, Berwyn, Berwyn uh, at Fitzgerald's in uh, Berwyn, a Sunday matinee show. But they were nice enough to uh, make a stop here at our WGN studios this morning, made the mad dash up here to the 18th floor and... Uh, they join us uh, here this morning. Uh, good morning. Thank you so much for this. Isn't show business glamorous? <laughs> Just this wonderful, glamorous life that we all lead, right? Yeah. How did the show go in Champagne last night? Oh, it was so sweet. It was, it was great. great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had a, it was a, a small room, but it was sold out. And we were in um, St. Louis the night before at the Focal Point, which is a great little room. A uh, real wooden old old building, and uh, that was really good too. Actually, a lot of fun. Yeah, kind of lends itself, doesn't it, to uh, the kind of music that you do these uh, very, um, uh, you know, kind of, nothing too lavish. Not, yeah, not, <laughs> we like we like an intimate show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of holistic, isn't it? It's it's, it's very. Uh, 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 Raina, explain to me, how, how do you describe your music? I was saying Americana earlier, and I don't know if that's exactly 100% correct. It's, it's a, yeah, I, like a hybrid of different things. Yeah, I'm not ever quite sure how to describe it. I usually refer to it as roots music. Um, my background is in traditional old-time music, and Kieran's been writing songs forever and ever, but... Um, he also has a background in bluegrass and old-time stuff. So 
we write songs so it's new, but it's all informed by traditional music. Yeah, yeah. Karen, who influenced you uh, oh, uh, musically? It'd, it'd be a long list. Um, <laughs> it was a few. But honestly, you know, when I first, I, I used to play mandolin years ago in bluegrass bands. I started out as a drummer, really. And the, my biggest influence when I was a kid, I remember. I don't know, being like 10 years old. I had older brothers uh, who played music, and my oldest brother, who's about eight years older than I, brought home um, the first Bo Diddley album. And when I heard uh, Who Do You Love, Hmm. it was life-changing. I remember being in, in his bedroom, and there was a little record player on the floor, and that record was playing, and we were just like sort of dancing around the, the <laughs> record player. But it was so infectious, and and I think the songwriting, uh, particularly on that song, had a huge influence on me. And a lot of things that I've written over the years. I mean, the, and the things that we write now, they're not. They're very simple, and uh, in that kind of that sort of tradition of like who do you love is a song with one chord. Hmm. And I always felt like, well, that's enough. <laughs> you know. Funny, yeah. We don't need we don't need any more chords. <laughs> Sounds perfectly fine, just the way that it is. Just find a groove and hold on. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Raina, how about you for influences? Oh gosh, also so many. Um, but my dad is a, an old time musician, and and I have to say that he's he's my hugest musical influence uh, as as a fiddler and banjo player and. Um, and also as someone who exposed me to so many different kinds of music growing up. And I, <laughs> this is something, Kieran and I both had that experience with Bo Diddley. Like, I really? also remember being... Same, same song? I remember being nine wow. years old and hearing wow. that song and just my brain exploding um, with, like, the, the same sense of, like, what more do you need? Yeah. That's everything. Well, I remember hearing Bo Diddley for the first time and... You know, going, what in the heck yeah. am I hearing? Yeah. Well, yeah. that song, too, like, lyrically is just so crazy and that it really opens up the door to anything is possible. Uh, it's, 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 it takes in so much information. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, Rain is not, I don't know whether she likes me bringing this up or not, but she comes from a long history of musicians. Uh, was it Uncle? great uncle anyway her family is responsible for writing like the theme song to the bullwinkle show what and also, what? And also the uh, among other things doing a lot of tv and radio and um, writing music for star trek and and those kinds of things also wrote the theme song which is one of the great tv theme songs of all time for the perry mason show wow it's so, my, my great uncle fred great steiner uncle. did that wow wow I was going to ask you if you could play the bowling call theme. <laughs> we really I'm need a big to I know we, we should probably work I it out. I am but a no. big Rocky and Bullwinkle fan, but yeah. uh, also the Perry Mason theme is yeah, truly, that's, truly one of the most dramatic yeah. and impactful TV theme songs of all time. Yeah, it is. Wow. That's uh, that's quite a heritage. You're here. You're, this is royalty. This is royalty. <laughs> I would have straightened up the studio a little bit if I would have known that we were having such royalty with us. Uh, uh, before we take a break, I wonder if uh, you could do a, a song for us, and we'll do another sure. before we end. But why don't we uh, go into a break with uh, a little something? What, what do you have for us here? To start um, 
Well, we're hoping that we can get through this early in the morning. Um, <laughs> we're going to try our best. Uh, this is a called Bailout Blues. Two, three, go. Wow, that is fantastic. <laughs> Karen Kane, Raina Gellert, uh, they are going to be doing this at Fitzgerald's in Berwyn, uh, 6615 Roosevelt Road in Berwyn. Uh, this afternoon at four o'clock and we will talk with them more and hear more of their music uh coming up in just a minute a minute and uh, by the way beautifully mixed by our engineer bob ferguson <laughs> sounds fantastic bob really good job at that let me take a break and we'll come right back because i want to play to the and i may still later on this is your your uncle you said wrote this my great uncle your great uncle Wrote the Perry Mason theme. <laughs> Another Sunday morning show first. It's a, it's a weird family, what it can I say? It is so fantastic. Don't you even dare say that. <laughs> uh, Karen Kane, Raina Gellert, uh, performing at Fitzgerald's in Berwyn this afternoon at 4 o'clock. As you can hear, they are absolutely fantastic. We've got another uh, song uh, coming up in a minute or two. How did you two uh, get together? You both had independent uh, careers. How did you uh, team up, Raina? Well, we were both playing at the most wonderful festival, the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival in San Francisco. Don't know if you're familiar with that. I'm not. It's a very special event that's free and open to the public, and zillions of people come, and it's all these stages of really cool roots Americana, traditional yeah. music, songwriters, and and, and rock bands, too, yeah, and and pop music, all kinds of stuff. Wow, really cool event. Anyway, we were both playing there, and he was there playing with Kane Welch Kaplan, which is a spectacular band that's made beautiful albums that you should all go get and listen to. <laughs> um, and I had heard from friends that I would like that band, and so I made a point of going and checking out their set, and. Kieran, in particular, caught my ear because I heard him playing the banjo, and I was like, oh, clearly, we listen to the same dead guys. <laughs> like, that's obvious. <laughs> and so after the set, I just I went backstage, and as we say in the industry, I germed him. <laughs> and I had to keep pestering him for yeah. a while, but he came around. They're kind of a groupie, really, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. What was your your reaction uh, to all of this, Karen? I thought she was real cute. <laughs> <laughs> and she is. And she is. Uh, no, and Ra- Raina, you know, was, you know, I'm from Nashville, and so, like, you can s- swing a cat around and hit about three fiddle players, so the idea of another fiddle player entering my life was like, I, I don't really need that. <laughs> um, and... You know, and she was asking me about maybe doing some writing, which is another thing in Nashville. Everybody you meet at the grocery store is saying, hey, we should get together and write. And then you never do. Um, and so she was wanting me talking about producing or writing, and I was like, ah, you know, I don't know what to do here. And then finally she sent me a song. And I knew she, I, I, she, I heard some fiddle things. I was like, wow, an amazing fiddle player, but what am I going to do with a fiddle player? Yeah. Um, and then she sent me this song called Perry um, that we both have recorded, actually. 
uh, I recorded it on a on an EP, and then we produced a record on Raina. And the song was so great that I thought, oh, okay, I can see a way that we could work together because the writing of this it, it's it has a sound you should listen to it sometimes called Perry, yeah. and it has the the feeling of a song that's always existed. Like, nobody wrote this song. It just mm. is. It's just always been. It's always been. Yeah. And that was, like, profoundly moving to me. And I thought, okay, well, maybe we could learn to write songs together with one chord. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the economy of it all. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, do you think this music is underappreciated? Ours is. Yeah. <laughs> In the in the world of uh, you know in the world of uh, you know all kinds of pop music and the Taylor Swifts and Justin Timberlakes and uh, you know the lists go on and on. I'm glad to see that the Grammys are more properly acknowledging this kind of music now. But what, what's your take on how the general public receives it? I mean, you must get nothing but affection though if you're doing sold out shows all all over the place. People who love it, obviously. Um, I don't know. I never think about it that much. I've, I mean, you know, growing up in the world of old time music, it's I'm just used to being part of some kind of weird subculture that's yeah. like yeah. not in the mainstream. I mean, I appreciate pop music too. It's pop music is popular for a reason. Yeah. And but people do. I mean, people respond to what we do, even if it's they think that it's not their thing. Necessarily. Yeah, that's true. I think there's just always going to be something very affecting about human voices singing in harmony yeah. and acoustic instruments being played in a room. Like it's, it will affect you in a way that other things can't. Yeah, there is something about this music as you were performing a moment ago that really, uh, I mean, kind of touches your soul. I don't mean to be overly dramatic about it, but there's a purity to it that, like, really touches you someplace deep inside i think anyway it did for me uh and hopefully this next song will uh, as well what uh, what do you have for us here next uh this is a song that again coincidentally we are doing two songs with only one chord and each they're different chords though. <laughs> the first one had an e chord and the second one has a d chord <laughs> for all you music aficionados out there yep. um this is a song that I wrote a long, long time ago and uh, recorded it with uh, Kevin Welch and Fats Kaplan. And then we, uh, Ran and I, you know, it was just fun to play, and so we started putting it in our music. We haven't recorded it, but uh, we do it in pretty much every show. Seems to be a real crowd pleaser. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, I assume you'll do it uh, today at Fitzgerald's in Berwyn, 4 o'clock show. Karen Kane and Raina Gellert. Wait, hold on, I need to put my glasses on here. I, <laughs> I wasn't ready for that cue. So, yeah, that was quick. Yeah. It's incredible. Just so great. We don't hear enough fiddle music these days. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Have you always played of, of the fiddle? Hey, do you call it fiddle or violin? I call it a fiddle. Yeah, but is it the same thing? It's the same thing. Same thing, okay. Yeah, it's it, this is my first instrument. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you had that particular instrument since you were a kid? Well, this particular instrument uh, was my great grandfather's. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And my dad used to play this one, and 
I was playing classical music as a youngster and when I was in high school and sort of getting more serious about playing classical music, he was like, uh, you should you should have this. It's more of a violin-y kind of instrument. Wow. And so he let me start using it. And then, of course, I quit playing classical music and started playing fiddle music. And I think he's been kicking himself ever since that he gave this fiddle to me. <laughs> All right. I want somebody to do a documentary on your family's life. <laughs> Uh, and all of its musical uh, influences. That, that's a fantastic story. Thank you both so much for coming in. I Thank know you it was for having a us. long for night, us. a long drive, getting oh. up early, etc. But uh, we really appreciate it. You sounded fantastic. Oh, it's so we nice. Appreciate to you having us. Very nice to meet you both. And you all can uh, meet them today at Fitzgerald's in Berwyn. It's a four o'clock show in Berwyn. Uh, Fitzgerald's, of course, on uh, Roosevelt Road in Berwyn. And uh, I hope you all go out to see them. Thank you so much for coming in. Say hello to all your relatives for me. <laughs> Thank you, Dean. Appreciate Thank you. it. We'll update news and uh, come back in the next half hour. Ariana Grande and John Cena all coming right up. You want to hear more locations of sunshine around the area? Yeah. As reported definitely. by our team of meteorologists around the Chicago area. <laughs> different bureau chiefs. Now yes. that Skilling is retiring, we're just going to have people text in the weather. <laughs> I'm not even going to bother with meteorologists anymore. We're just going to have people sending us notes. <laughs> uh, 847 said the sun just broke through the clouds in Desplaines. Excellent. Nice. Hello, Excellent. Des- Hello, Desplaines. Hello, Desplaines. Uh, now, let's see. That's Schaumburg. Buffalo Grove yeah. and Desplaines. Desplaines, uh, 319 area code. There's sunshine in Cortland. Cortland. Do you okay. know where Cortland is? Uh, I know the name. I don't know it offhand. 319. It's the the third largest town in Illinois, according to this text. And I believe everything our text Okay. Uh, <laughs> 319, that, that would put it in western Illinois, I think. Uh, that puts it right next to DeKalb, according to this. Okay, 319. Oh, going uh, out toward DeKalb. So 35 sunshine. there in DeKalb, by the way. Hello, Cortland. <laughs> hello, DeKalb. Hello. Uh, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, Talk up. You're on the air. Let's see. <laughs> oh, here's a nice one. <laughs> 630 area code. We have bright sunshine in Anna Maria Island, Florida. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thanks for rubbing it, in, rubbing it in. Did they give a temperature? Uh, no. Just sunshine? No. Okay. Uh, Antioch. Sunshine in Antioch. Wow, this is great. What do we need weathermen for? Look at this. Apparently we don't. Clouds will Look move Look at all away. the money that we're saving. <laughs> uh, sunshine in Marengo. Boy, this is wonderful. Hello, Marengo. This is wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Have I done about 15 different voices you on the show today? <laughs> right. Okay. So we're going to hear Nixon here in the next five minutes or so? <laughs> oh, sun was out for 10 seconds. Oh, it was a bright, beautiful day. Palatine, I am not a crook. <laughs> Palatine. Oh, here, yeah. Look. Uh, well, we had sunshine for five minutes in Palatine. Oy. Okay. That's so it. I guess it came and went. Sunshine in Lindenhurst, sunshine in Libertyville, a beautiful place in the country, as we all know. <laughs> that's right. Which car dealership was that? That was Wild, Wild Olds. Olds. That's right. Wild Olds in Libertyville, it's a beautiful, beautiful place in, in the country. country. <laughs> we know every jingle ever made. <laughs> yep. Well, what is that? 1877 <laughs> Cars for Kids. 
<laughs> Even the really annoying ones. <laughs> Hello, Evanston. Sunshine and Evanston. Evanston. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> somebody said, hey, Larry King, it's brightening. <laughs> I'm glad somebody got the joke. Andy did. Andy I got, got it. it. Well, I got, got, got it. it, too. But Andy was actually laughing. I was though. laughing, yeah. <laughs> Schwanty doesn't like it when I'm funnier than he is. That's the truth. Um, Anywhere else? Let's see here. Uh, I haven't no. heard from our bureau chief in northwest Indiana yet. No, well, these all seem to be... That's a little be, south and east of these locations. These all seem to be about. north, like yeah, north, north, northwest northwest exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, in fact... Uh, maybe, maybe Crystal Lake, Bartlett, Waukegan? Woodstock has sunshine. Woodstock has sunshine, nice. okay. Hello, Woodstock. Hello, Punxsutawney <laughs> Phil. <laughs> Is that is that Punxsutawney Phil in Woodstock or is Punxsutawney? It, is it a different wood, uh, ground? No, it is. It is in Woodstock. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, Punxsutawney Phil, that's in Punxsutawney, that's in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah. What's the groundhog's name in Woodstock? I'm not sure. Chuck. Woody the Woodstock. Is it? Yeah. Woody. <laughs> is it Chuck? Is it no Woody? Idea. Should be Woody if it's in Woodstock. Yeah. <laughs> Woodrow. Not Woody, Woodrow. Woodrow? Woodrow. All right, fine. Uh, Yeah, no, that's all we have. But I think we've proven. Oh, here's another one. Bright Sunshine in Loveland, Colorado. Okay. We appreciate you calling in from faraway distances, but really you're just rubbing it in. (laughs) That's all you're doing when you do that. It might be on the chilly side in Loveland, Colorado. I'm glad to hear that people all over the United States are able to hear our quality broadcasting, though. Mm-hmm. Looks like the fog has rolled back in down here. Well, I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't know because uh, the guests that we just had on, and did, by the way, didn't they sound amazing? They were, they were wonderful. Good, yeah. Kier, yes. Kieran Kane and Raina Gellert, uh, when they came to the studio, they asked if we would close the blinds because... Uh, Kieran was afraid of heights. Oh, oh she had acrophobia. No, Kieran. Kieran is the guy. Kieran okay. is the is the man. But I said absolutely, we can close it. I'm also terrified of heights. For some reason, it doesn't bother me in here. Yeah, me either. But normally, I'm paralyzed. Are with, you really paralyzed with fear of heights? So, if you went to the observation deck at Sears Tower, paralyzed or, with fear. Really? See, I'm okay inside. So you like wouldn't that. even think about walking out on that ledge? No then. way. Oh, that I wouldn't do either. No. No way. No. No. What about the Grand Canyon? Would you? I don't know how. I probably would not do well. I have been like on top of mountains and peaks and things like that and i am literally on the ground crying like a little baby <laughs> holding on to somebody railings help, somebody help me carry, holding on to railings carry me down oh that all right oh i can see that i can see that i have i have literally been in situations like that where i am paralyzed and cannot move literally <laughs> And all the other people are looking around. People, Did you see uh, that oh, guy carrying that absolutely. guy kicking and screaming? <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that? They had to carry that fat guy down the mountain. <laughs> he was waving his arms. <laughs> it's not pretty, but it's true. By the way, it's uh, Woodstock Willie. Woodstock, Woodstock Willie. Thank okay. you. According okay. to the text line. Thank you, Long Grove. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, Long Grove. Thank you very much. Hello. Ah!
That is the Academy Award-winning performance by Ariana DeBose. She played Anita. I think I said Rita earlier because uh, I was thinking about Rita Moreno, who played the role of Anita in the original movie West Side Story. But uh, Ariana DeBose played Anita in the 2021 version, the Steven Spielberg version of West Side Story, and won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress that year. She is a very talented singer and dancer, and uh, now action star. She's got a new movie uh, in which she uh, co-stars with people like Brian Cranston, Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, Henry Cavill, who played uh, Superman, of course. Sam Rockwell, Samuel L. Jackson. It is a star-studded cast in this new movie, Argyle, which comes out uh, this coming Friday. It is a, a, a spy movie comedy along the lines of the movie Kingsman because it comes from the same director. It's got that same feel where it's very exciting, but also very funny, uh, very quirky, and uh, there, there are lots of uh, excitement, uh, exciting moments in it. And lots of funny moments uh, in this movie. I'll tell you much more about it as the week goes on. But also starring in the movie is Ariana DeBose. Uh, and also wrestler, actor John Cena, uh, who has uh, a role in the movie. They're both great. They are among the actors that I spoke with this past week when I was in London uh, doing interviews for this movie. I went to the premiere there. And uh, then uh, sat down with all the stars one-on-one, and uh, we had a a nice chat with uh, Ariana. It was my first time. John Cena I've interviewed many times. Super, super, super nice guy. Uh, First time, though, meeting Ariana DeBose, uh, and we talked a little bit about her role in this particular film. This one, I sort of had the privilege of kind of bopping in and out. Um, And so, you know, most of my scenes are with John and Henry, for the most part. Um, but it was joyful. It was really joyful. We made this movie um, sort of in the heart of the pandemic, so it felt like a very different time, and mm. it, it was such a miracle and beautiful opportunity to be able to make work at all. Um, so I didn't take it for granted, and I did have a wonderful time, and I learned a lot from absolutely everyone. So. Do you still feel like you're at that stage of... I guess you really never stop learning from others, right? I agree with that. So. With yeah. like the way your last couple of years have been, mm. it has to be mind-blowing. Has it been for you? Yes, yes. I mean, the short answer is yes. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very grateful for the journey, but I'm, I'm also human. Like, I'm an artist and now have a public profile, but I'm also yeah. still very human, and I do feel overwhelmed at times, and sometimes I even feel lost. Yeah. But I think that's part of, you know, the human experience is being able to humble yourself and just take stock of where you are. And for me, I find the most success when I acknowledge how I'm feeling, walk in and just try to take in my blessings, take in the lessons and and keep moving forward with kindness. Yeah. 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 Thank you. And, you know, not to give you any short shrift, John. Mm-hmm. But I'll take a short shrift. You are you are my favorite mermaid of twenty three. <laughs> like I said, mermaid. Favorite Thank you. Thank mermaid you. of twenty three. How fun was that? It's Man, great. I, I love that you will, will go wherever. You you are fearless yeah. in the roles that you do well, in so many different ways. I think a lot of that is surrounding yourself with good people, uh, and trusting the process. And also 
my approach is uh, anything can be impactful. It doesn't. It's not. It's not the amount of words you have to say. Uh, it's not the amount of minutes you're on screen. Every opportunity to tell a story and to, to play dress up for a living is an opportunity to just do that. Yeah. So I, I try to. I take all calls. Nothing is above me. And if it interests me and I want to be involved, it doesn't have to be on my terms. Yeah. It's someone else's vision. So uh, both Barbie and Argyle are ex- great examples of that. Yeah. Um, Matthew was kind enough to invite me into a universe that he's building and a great film. And he didn't, he didn't guarantee me a ton of minutes on screen, but I don't care. Yeah. I want to work with Matthew Vaughn, so I can't be a hypocrite and say I want to work with you under my terms. Right, exactly. Is, yeah. it, is it true that you got the Barbie role because you met uh, through Dua Lipa in Argyle? No, we sh- we shot <laughs> we shot with Dua Lipa in Argyle first yeah. with Matthew. So Matthew was the brainchild of putting us together. Okay. And then I met Margot uh, at dinner by accident in, uh. in, a, in a moment of serendipity. And she's like, you should do Barbie. I said, I tried. You guys won't have me. And she, she looked over to her fellow decision makers and was like, the kid is in the picture. And they called me the next day and she said, we have a spot for you as a merman if you'll take it. And I said, absolutely. And I show up on set and I'm working with Dua Lipa again. So, so the reuniting of friends. That's just fantastic. Uh, Ariana, do you cook at all? Do I cook? Yeah, I've, I've started doing a cooking segment. Okay. Since the pandemic. Yeah, uh, that tracks. And um, I'm trying to recreate recipes from A-listers. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, I do cook. Well, I'm, I'm, I was born in North Carolina. And I love I love to cook. It's very much in my DNA. Do you have a favorite um, that I could try to oh my figure out how to goodness. create? Um, but do you like desserts or do you like sure. entrees? Do I look like I don't like dessert? <laughs> Come on. Um, it's very kind of cliche, but I also think it's something that you know Kira probably would have either used as a weapon or just really loved as a snack. But I love these things. They're Oreo balls. You literally take Oreos, like a package of them, crush them up. Yep. Cream cheese. Yep. Couple things, cream cheese. Just literally mix. Let put them in balls. Let them, that sounds bad, but anyways, <laughs> let them let them harden in the freezer. That Take them bad out. Too, that sounds bad too. Yeah. That's why I heard yeah. it. I was like, this isn't going. Anyways, yeah. um, and then you dip them in chocolate, mm-hmm. and then you freeze them again. And honestly, you literally put them in a bag, leave them in the freezer. They are the best. It was uh, so nice to be. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't I'm think a, I was going to talk about Oreo balls, did well, you? Well, <laughs> you gave me such a... I'm definitely going to They're delicious, I'm telling you. Yeah. And you could do white chocolate or milk chocolate. No. And with the zillions of Oreo flavors, now, I'm just saying. Right? Now, you know, it's so nice. And I would have gotten a recipe for you, except she's going crazy. I make cereal, and I don't do that well. <laughs> he can't cook. I can it. It's so nice to meet you. There is Ariana DuBose and John Cena. Uh, guess what? I'm going to recreate her... Oreo ball recipe on my TV cooking segment this coming uh, Wednesday. I experimented with it yesterday. I mean, she gave us kind of general directions, but I was experimenting with it yesterday, figuring out the proportions and all that so I could put it down in a recipe and then post it online so you can do it at home. It's super easy. It's really super easy. Uh, I took... um, uh, a package of Oreo, Oreo cookies, almost a full package, probably was about 30, I don't know, 30, 30, between 30 and 35 Oreo cookies, something into my food processor. All right. I took a package of room temperature cottage cheese, put that. Uh, well, first I crushed the Oreos, uh, went crazy until it was completely incorporated in. Then I put the cream cheese in, let that go in the food processor. And it's 
those are the, the ingredients pretty much. Uh, I, I took that, I formed them into bo- the little balls that she's talking about, like, you know, walnut size, a little bigger than wall, maybe golf ball size, you know, about that size. And then uh, right now, as I speak, they are in uh, my fridge. Uh, and when I get home, I'm going to melt the chocolate. Uh, I put, I'm going to do a mixture of milk chocolate and dark chocolate. I like dark chocolate. Not everyone does. So it'll be kind of a half and half mixture. And uh, then I'm going to dip them, put them back into the fridge so the chocolate hardens. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it all turns out. And then I'm going to do we're going to do it on uh, TV this coming uh, Wednesday. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. We'll share, you know, the portion of the interview where Ariana is talking about giving us the recipe and then I will do my best to uh, recreate it, which is kind of leading us now into our uh, uh, food time uh, segment of the program. And I wanted to find out about, the, you know, this this Oreo ball recipe thing would be p- perfect for Super Bowl. I mean, I'm kind of thinking about that now. Super Bowl is, uh, what, February 11th, right? A week, uh, two weeks, yeah, two weeks from today. And, uh, you know, you got to start thinking about Super Bowl food to put out. Uh, you know, obviously, there's going to be a lot of appetizers. I read somewhere that pizza is the number one Super Bowl food. I would have guessed it would have been, I don't know, something else. I don't know why. Pizza just didn't, didn't occur to me as being the number one Super Bowl food. I know it's uh, popular. But I would have guessed, like, dips or gu- guacamole. Guacamole, I heard, is... Uh, the biggest one of the, one of the biggest foods that day. I know that avocado consumption is at its highest on Super Bowl Sunday. A lot of people making guacamole for Super Bowl, and we've done recipes on that before. I've got them posted if you want, uh, you know, something like that. But I want to concentrate a little bit on uh, Super Bowl recipes, things that you're going to put out. And I kind of love that she gave us a dessert recipe. Because, you know, we hear about uh, pizza, we hear about chili, we hear about uh, guacamole, we hear, uh, you know, Mexican uh, dip, the three-layer Mexican dip. We hardly ever hear about desserts for uh, Super Bowl Sunday. And that's what I would like to try to uh, farm from you to get some of your favorite uh, things that you put out for Super Bowl Sunday that are, you know, fairly easy to make, not too complex, but also delicious 312-981-7200. We'll get into that uh, coming up in uh, just a few minutes. Also coming up uh, in our food segment in the next half hour, uh, and this is you know totally different, like 180 degrees different from Super Bowl food, the James Beard Award nominations came out this past week. The restaurants and restaurateurs around the Chicago area who have been nominated for the Academy Award of the Food World, the James Beard Awards. So uh, I'll tell you about which restaurants, which chefs uh, have gotten some, uh, you know, acclaim from the James Beard Awards, uh, which are going to be held in Chicago in a couple of months, something like that. Uh, So we'll give you all of that coming up in uh, just a little while. One of the things that I did for a Super Bowl party uh, one year this has become a kind of a staple for my, you know, when when you have people over kind of food, but it's it's 
great for Super Bowl Sunday. I know a lot of you like uh, gyros sandwiches. I made gyros nachos. You know, normally nachos would be tortilla chips, cheese, peppers, ground beef maybe. You know, and you layer layer it all in, put it in the oven so the cheese melts and, you know, they're delicious and people can pick off of it. I did a version with uh, gyros meat, which you can buy frozen, sliced already. I guess you could go to any gyros place and just ask them to sell you a couple of pounds of, of meat. But they sell it frozen, and that's that's the easy way to do it. Any grocery store has gyros meat these days. Uh, you get pita chips. or If you want to take pita bread, you can do that and toast it. Uh, totally up to you. And then the other ingredients which would go in a gyro sandwich, which would be lettuce, would be tomatoes, would be onions, um, and uh, then the uh, the white uh, cucumber uh, garlic sauce, the tzatziki sauce. You just top it on top. You know, you put the you mix the gyros meat with all the vegetables, and then uh, you uh, put uh, feta cheese. On it, I guess you could do mozzarella if you want to, but if you want to make it authentically Greek, put uh, feta cheese, sprinkle feta cheese all over it, then put that in the oven and let all of that warm up and melt. And then when it comes out, put the uh, tzatziki sauce, the cucumber sauce, uh, on top of it. And it is a major, major, major home run uh, every single time that I have served it. You want to get the recipe for that? I know that I cooked it on TV a year ago, a couple of years ago, something like that. And uh, it was a major hit. People were getting the recipe like crazy. Uh, and it's probably still posted where we put all of our uh, TV cooking segment videos and all of our recipes, which is WGNTV.com slash Dean Cooks. Very easy to find it all. So anyway, let's talk uh, some Super Bowl food Let's talk James Beard Awards, all coming up in just a few. Time for the one and only Food Time, Chicago Radio's only cooking and dining show. The award-winning All Things Edible program heard every Sunday at this time. Uh, Coming up, Super Bowl uh, recipes, things that you know are home runs at your Super Bowl parties, 312 981-7200 is our phone number. You want to call or text one in to us. What you serve for the Super Bowl, that's always a big hit. I've got some suggestions, but I'd love to hear yours. Either on the text line or on the phone, 312-981-7200. Before we get to that real quick, uh, this came out earlier in the week, so you may have already heard that a number of uh, Chicago restaurants and restaurateurs have been uh, given nominations for the annual James Beard Awards. Uh, These are the culinary world's highest honors. And uh, congratulations to Marcos Carbajal from Carnitas Urapan in Chicago. He's been nominated as uh, Outstanding Restaurateur, as have uh, Nicholas Poilevi and Oliver Poilevi. From uh, Obelix, Le Bouchon, and Takiera Chingon in Chicago. I haven't been to any of those restaurants, but um, congratulations to them. Uh, I tend to wind up going to the same places. 
all the time. I probably should be a little more adventurous, but I, I don't have a lot of time to go out, you know, to eat. So I want to go someplace that I know is going to be fantastic. Um, so con- anyway, congratulations to them. Uh, the Duck Inn, I have heard uh, many rave reviews about. I've never been, but it is nominated for a James Beard Award for Outstanding Restaurant of the Year. The Duck Inn. Uh, for Best New Restaurant, Atelier in Chicago has gotten a nomination for a James Beard Award. Now, these are nominations. They're going to narrow it down, and in a couple of months, you know, somebody will wind up being the winner in these categories. I'm just telling you the Chicago nominees. Uh, for Outstanding Bakery, Loba Pastry and Coffee in Chicago was nominated. For Outstanding Pastry Chef or Baker, uh, Anna Posey from Elski in Chicago. For Outstanding Hospitality, the Lula Cafe in Chicago has been uh, nominated. Uh, yeah, so those those are like you know the national categories. Then they break it down into regions around the country, and our region is called the Great Lakes region, which covers Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio. And for best chef in the Great Lakes region, Diana Davila Bolden for Mi Tokaya Antojera. I hope I'm saying it right. Nominated for Best Chef. Uh, Joe Fontelera from Booney's Filipino Restaurant. Joe Frillman from Daisy's in Chicago. Uh, James Martin from Bocadillo Market in Chicago. Uh, Susan Skarkar from uh, Indiana in Chicago. Uh, Jenner Tomaska from SMA in Chicago. And Donald Young from Duck Cell in Chicago, all nominated for James Beard Awards, Best Chef, uh, Great Lakes Region. So congrats to them. Interestingly, though, also, another list has come out from Yelp. They put out a list of the top 100 restaurants in the U.S. Uh, you know, these Yelp uh, reviews of anything are generated by people who go to their website and put their opinions in, um, you know, maybe not so scientific because they don't have any way of knowing whether or not someone has put a hundred messages on there or once, but you know what? It, it is what it is. And a lot of people look to Yelp <clears throat> if they're trying to make a decision about any kind of business, but this was Yelp's uh, top 100 U S restaurants for 2024, two restaurants in the Chicago area made the list at uh, number 74, the New Village Gastropub in Northbrook. And at number 76, uh, Habibi Restaurant in uh, Mediterranean Grill in Evanston uh, made the uh, Yelp list. So, you know, congrats to both of them. I suspect that they, I, I don't know if they're five-star restaurants or not. I, I honestly haven't been to any one of these restaurants that I've just mentioned. Uh, just because, uh, you know, my time is limited to, to get out and uh, go and eat. Uh, but um, anyway, thought I would tell you in case you're looking for some place to go check out. Uh, here you go with uh, some suggestions. Uh, about a couple of people on our text line saying they couldn't care less about what Yelp says. Uh, reasonable, I suppose. 
because, as I say, I could go on Yelp. Let's say I, let's say I don't like a restaurant. I could go on Yelp and post 20 messages on there saying I don't like the restaurant. There's no way to you know, cross-check anything. Uh, on the other hand, if I could go on there and put 20 messages complimenting a place, and it, you know, it skews the other direction. So I guess I get that. But um, I'm just saying, you know, take it, take it for what it's worth. <clears throat> Let's uh, get to some Super Bowl recipes here. Uh, what are some of the things that you're planning on uh, preparing that you put out on your, uh, you know, Super Bowl party table that's always a hit? I want to hear about them. Five nine one, uh, excuse me, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is our telephone number. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the uh, phone number. And here from the seven zero eight area code says, uh, I make Super Bowl Sundays. Okay, Super Bowl Sundays: a warm brownie with hot fudge, ice cream, whipped cream, and all of the fixins. Well, that sounds fantastic, doesn't it? You could just put the fixins all, you know, out on the table. Let people make their own Sundays, right? And that way, things don't get all melty with the warm brownie and the hot fudge. Um, but that—that's a fantastic idea but to put the uh, Super Bowl Sundays. Uh, out there uh here is another recipe let me see here we've got uh a sweet potato chili sweet potato chili interesting now chili aficionados are not going to like this because you know chili chili aficionados they only like their chili a, a certain way they don't like when anybody adds anything to it or embellishes you know it has to be a, a certain way or some people get get their nose out of joint but this is uh a chili which is made kind of traditionally with uh onion uh, red bell pepper poblano pepper garlic um this has uh, chili powder of course and cumin this has a little cocoa powder in it also and two large sweet potatoes that are peeled and uh, cut into one half inch pieces are diced and uh, you've got uh, black beans in it. You've got pinto beans in it. You've got fire-roasted uh, diced tomatoes in it. And, uh, you know, you cook it a traditional way. Vegetable broth is in it. Cilantro. Uh, cook it up, but it's got a little bit of a, uh, you know, the, there's a spiciness to it, of course. But also with the sweet potatoes in it, there's uh, a little bit of um a little bit of sweetness to the whole thing which which i also like uh somebody texted in that they do philly cheesesteak sliders they take uh the hawaiian buns which i think is uh, a godsend by the way i love uh those uh hawaiian hawaiian buns i get the little mini ones the dinner rolls uh i slice them in half uh horizontally so you know they open easily uh, and then w- with this particular recipe, uh, they are putting in for the Philly cheesesteak sliders. They're taking uh, a boneless ribeye or skirt steak and cutting it, you know, into uh, very, very, very small pieces like you would a, a cheesesteak. They take cheese whiz and, uh, you know, put it all uh, together. They, they, you know, you can put onions. You can, you know, do whatever you want. Some people put a little Worcestershire sauce uh, into the whole thing as well. But 
onto the you, you you toast the bread, you put the uh, you 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 cook the beef, put the beef on the bread with some uh, sautéed onions, and then with that cheese whiz, you microwave that a little bit until it's pourable, pourable, not horrible, but pourable. And then uh, pour the cheese over the uh, beef and onions and on the bread, and you've got yourself a super messy but super, super delicious uh, sandwich at the same time. You know what else I've done for Super Bowl and with uh, St. Patrick's Day right around the corner? I've done something similar with uh, corn, like Reuben sandwiches like that. That would be a huge hit for a Super Bowl party. Same Hawaiian bread. I mean, you can do something with rye bread, if you, I guess, if you want to really keep it super traditional. But I'm telling you, the Hawaiian bread is such a big hit. Uh, the Hawaiian bread, I put a little uh, Thousand Island dressing on it, corned beef, uh, some sauerkraut, and a piece of Swiss cheese. Melt it under the broiler a little bit, uh, and then uh, serve it up. Huge, major, major, major hit. Uh, okay, so let's get some more of your uh, recipes here. 312-981-7200 when we come right back. And don't forget that you can join me for a Dean's Night Out coming to the Paramount Theater in Aurora, their production of Billy Elliot, the musical, Tony Award-winning musical, an amazing show uh, with unbelievable, beautiful, beautiful dance. I can only imagine what the Paramount production is uh, going to be like. We're going to have our Dean's Night Out there on February the 18th, and you can join me. We're going to be giving away 10 pair of tickets to join me to not only see the show, but also join me for a pre-show reception. Uh, The way that you win the tickets is by entering at WGNRadio.com slash contest, WGNRadio.com slash contest, and we'll pick uh, the 10 winners at random Sunday, February 11th at 11.59 p.m. Central Time, to be exact. So that's how long you have to enter. But go ahead and do it today. Get your name on the list today, uh, you know, and then we'll uh, we'll pick from everybody who enters later on. And hopefully you'll be able to join me for a special Dean's Night Out. 312-981-7200 is our telephone number. Uh, we'd love to hear from you with some of your Super Bowl recipe ideas. Uh, and, uh, of course, you can always uh, text in as well. You don't have to call or text in complex recipes. If You know, you just give us a, a general idea of what you're talking about. Usually we can figure out, you know, what, what it's supposed to be like. For example, the uh, 815 area code that uh, texts in, they put out a Super Bowl taco bar. That's a fantastic idea. Uh, All the items can be prepped the day before, and the taco meat is kept warm in a crock pot. So I imagine you probably, what, have onions and peppers and cheese and all that stuff that you can prepare, uh, you know, and put into bowls or whatever ahead of time uh, that don't need uh, nonstop refrigeration. And the taco meat you can prepare ahead of time, put it in the fridge, and then put it in the crock pot just before the game starts to keep it warm. And uh, you have the uh, tortillas, uh, I imagine, whether they're soft tortillas or the, the hard, crispy ones. But either way, people can. The people love the uh, do-it-yourself 
uh, tables. Like I was talking about earlier when somebody suggested that Super Bowl uh, Sunday bar with ice cream and toppings and, you know, all that and let people put it all together themselves. Same thing with this taco bar. People love uh, doing things, uh, you know, do-it-yourself kind of deals. So that is uh, a super good idea. I love that. The uh, Super Bowl taco bar. Uh, Let me see here. We also have uh, here somebody suggesting a chili bar. They put out, they they make a a chili and put it in the crock pot. And then, uh, you know, have all the toppings so people can come and get a little chili, put it in their bowl, and whatever toppings they want, probably grated cheese, probably onions. Uh, what else? Uh, maybe uh, like elbow macaroni. That seems to be popular for some people in uh, chili bars. So that would be uh, good to put out. Uh, somebody, uh, the same person suggesting also in the crock pot, a uh, chocolate and caramel mixture. Chocolate and caramel mixture in a crock pot. And then people can dip fruit or whatever. Uh, cookies, you know, that sort of thing, into the dessert mixture for uh, a nice Super Bowl dessert. Somebody also suggesting a baked potato bar. I like the I like the do-it-yourself uh, concept here we seem to have going today. So you bake some potatoes. This is also something you could do ahead of time. Uh, and, uh, you know, put whatever toppings for baked potatoes uh, maybe, you know, you could even do like a, a double stuffed kind of t- uh, potato. And uh, I bet people would enjoy that. Those are some really, really good ideas. Thank you for all of those. Uh, here is uh, the 630 area code. It says, I make a great chili casserole that would be great for a Super Bowl. I make a really good chili with no beans and definitely no sweet potatoes. I'm telling you, people are purists when it comes to their chili. They like their chili a certain way, and, you know, why not? Uh, but I, for this Super Bowl casserole, I guess I can, I can see, see this. Uh, I make a really good chili with no beans and no sweet potatoes. I put it in an iron skillet and then mix cornbread uh, mix into it. I put cornbread mix into it, uh, mix it uh Oh, put the cornbread mix on top and then bake it. So you have a nice baked cornbread on top. And underneath is this really good chili. Wow. That sounds amazing. That sounds absolutely, absolutely amazing. I love that. Uh, great suggestion. Thank you. 312-981-727. Oh, am I getting, I'm getting the phone numbers mixed up today. 312 981 Seven two hundred. I don't know why I'm going back to a phone number we had like 20 years ago on WGN. Uh, 312-981-7200 if you want to text or call in uh, some of your Super Bowl recipes. I think it's kind of easy for people to do the texting, which is fine. Uh, here is someone saying, we make a Super Bowl. And that is spelled S-O-U-P-E-R, Super Bowl, uh, a a. a Servings of uh, different kinds of soups and toppings, which I also think is a fantastic idea. If you've got, you know, some little crock pots to put all that in to keep them warm, that's fantastic. Uh, Sometimes a little, you know, chafing bowl uh, that's uh, like a serving dish with a sterno can underneath it uh, to keep it warm. That's a good idea. But, you know, that goes along with the, the chilies. But, 
you know, a nice, uh, you know, a, a, you know, what, a tomato soup with, oh, tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwiches. How about that? Just thought of that right now. You make the super, the tomato soup, creamy tomato soup, which I've got a fantastic recipe, which we just did on TV a couple of weeks ago, uh, with uh, some nice grilled cheese sandwiches and serve that. That would be a huge hit. But, you you know, name the kind of soup. I love pumpkin soup. I know a lot of people don't. That's the kind of soup that those nutty protesters just threw at the Mona Lisa at the Louvre in Paris. So if you're going to make pumpkin, if you're going to go to the trouble of making pumpkin soup, eat it. Don't throw it. Eat it. Enjoy. Uh, what else do we have here? 312-981-7200. Uh, where can I get the chili baked with cornbread recipe? Well, it's not really posted. So, you know, you're going to have to. It, this is what I would recommend to you. You know, make chili the way that you normally make chili and uh, buy buy some cornbread mix. And instead of putting it in a pan to make to bake, just put it on. Put the chili in a casserole dish. Put the cornbread mixture on top of the chili and bake it according to uh, the package recipes. That's that's really the you know the easiest way to do it because somebody called in the chili casserole, so we don't have a recipe with proportions and things like that. Um, but maybe that that could be one that I do on TV because that sounds really super, really delicious. Appreciate all of your uh, recipe ideas. Uh, that's going to be it for now. Thank you for listening today. We've got. Uh, we'll see you on Bob Surratt show tomorrow morning between eight and eight thirty. See you on the WGN TV news uh, Monday through Friday, as always.